Hello and welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. I'm JP. And I'm Gareth. I'm real lads, we're a day late. Um, my fault. Got the uh, got the Bill Gates uh, shoved in my system yesterday. Uh, well, day before yesterday. I was feeling it yesterday and uh, to d- delay the uh, recording 24 hours. You weren't wrong, JP. It is a uh, it is a killer that. But yeah, we're uh, we're here. We're back and yeah, we're all alive. So there we go. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Yeah, day late and a dollar short as <laughs> always. But yeah, the bastard with this. I know Gareth, you were suffering as well from it, mm-hmm. weren't you? Yeah. I was. I was in a. I was in a bad way for 24 hours last week. Like I thought it was just the. Uh, oh, I thought, thought it was just the AstraZeneca. Ah, no, no. I thought it was the. Astra- I thought it was the AstraZeneca. It, it was just like everybody who had the Zeneca was uh, having a bit, a uh, bit of trouble with it. But then everybody I knew who had the other has been fine. So you, mm. you must just be weak, Benno. I don't know you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was feeling better. You what we said <laughs> Look, I, I live my life tired, Gareth. So, like, to, for me to be tired means I am actually tired. <laughs> I was fucked. Yeah. It made me feel bad though, because JP got the. Did you get the Pfizer as well, JP, or you Astra, AstraZeneca? AstraZeneca. All oh, right, okay, because you got yours and you were terrible, but you still did the show. So you know, you're a bigger man than me. What can I say? Um, I could, I just couldn't. It would have been, it would have been a terrible show we'd have recorded yesterday. Worth it, don't get me wrong. Um, I've heard all kinds of rumours. People have said, oh, if you've had the uh, the virus before, maybe it hits you a little bit worse, um, which maybe maybe does stand up, I suppose, with uh, you know Gareth, but you saying it hit you quite bad, and a couple mm. of people I know have had it, it hit quite bad as well. But still worth it, everyone. Go out, get your jab. Text takes what a minute it's done you're out you know and you feel better i'm hoping to uh have i'll have 50 immunity soon so it's, it's all it's all all very much worth it are you, are you all right today yeah all right i was knackered this morning but uh, it's kind of slowly slowly gone away so yeah feeling good feeling i tell fresh. you what you need is a nice warm bath you know you beat me to it I'll sort you out you know what I did last night got a bath hey <laughs> I almost took a picture long. again it was like it was, it was probably like one in the morning as well I was in the bath happily you know I had I had some like muscle soak in there as well to help my aching muscles which is the other side effect of uh, of, of, of uh, taking the uh, the Pfizer vaccine so yeah it was a good old time but no I did uh, did laugh at your, uh, your picture from the weekend mate <laughs> so you, you, had, you had a good weekend bath yourself oh yeah as always uh, what, a, what a nice start to the day just lie back nice warm bath brew read a good book what more can you want in life you know that's what, going in the episode what? images now right oh yeah <laughs> well to be, to be fair I was like I was looking at the impressions on Twitter that it's like seeing it and I was like why did I put this on Twitter like, <laughs> like, yeah. this many people have seen me in the bath like great mm. on a- on a hiding to nothing for that one. Uh, what territory are you on? Out of curiosity, which one, what one are you reading about? Oh, I'm on about point? I'm on about uh, chapter five. So it's just when Los Angeles, when McMahon's starting to buy Los Angeles. So it's when he's sort of getting his first grip into into one of the other other areas there. So it's uh, it's, it's it's all just starting to starting to take shape there. But yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm loving this so far. I think I'm yeah. Like I say, I think it's four or five chapters in anyway. But it's a, it's a good read. Have you read it before? I've got it, but I haven't read it. I'm re- um, the last one I read was the book about oh, it was the Keith Greenberg one about the no. um, the Bucks and the rise of the kind of Indies, which I'm not sure how historically accurate it is, but it's a fun read if you want to read like a kind of version of like those headlock. Oh, what was the Sean Mo- uh, the Mike Mooneyham book? 
um, that was about like Vince McMahon, is it Sex Lies and Headlocks or something along those lines? Yeah. That, that kind of fun read. But yeah, is it, are they a bunch of bastards in LA? Normally are, aren't they? Most of these promoters back in those days, they're just all a bunch of bastards. But this one's this 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 guy. I think he it said he sold. I think he sold the territory to McMahon for half a million quid. He sold some other part of it to McMahon for half a million quid, and they did a deal where McMahon was just basically paying off paying that off like a grand a week and i was thinking like what a fucking moron does like a million million dollar deal and does it on the basis of i just want a grand a week for it <laughs> like i don't know it's a bit uh not great uh, long, well i mean worked out for him in the end i'm sure but it just seems a bit like mm, i think you uh that doesn't, doesn't sound like the best uh best setup that you did there mate getting rid of your uh, entire livelihood and just uh, chipping, it, chipping it away a little bit once a week. Like, what if McMahon had gone tits up like a year later or something like that? You'd have been <laughs> yeah. out of your ass with nothing. But um, no, it's fascinating stuff. It's just, um, just again, obviously, just the background of all the inner workings there between the promotions going, you know, through your, through the 60s and 70s and just looking at, um, obviously, the the way the business operated and how fucking shady it all was and things like that. It's, it's, it's fascinating stuff. I, I had... Read a fucking history book by J.P. Houlihan ringing in my ears as I, uh, as I was reading it. I was thinking, yes, there's a, there's a few people who could uh, who could have a look at this, definitely. See, I, definitely I, give a more true, true, true history of wrestling than Jim Smallman's book, anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry, I love you fucking hell. Um, I, I, it's bad the way people think that, when we talk about AW later, people think that spot's like some sacred thing when it's like, no, Ric Flair was wrestling again for Impact six months later. It meant absolutely nothing. <laughs> yeah, um, he was bleeding with his trousers around his ankles. He was. Like, I mean, trust me, it's a massive fall from grace. <laughs> Anything for a payday, and, uh, yeah, for a limelight for all Rick. Uh, not the first time his trousers, are, just trousers around his ankles either. But uh, I, I, to be honest, I mainly sh- I didn't realise you actually read it, Gareth. I just thought it was a prop. I thought it was a well orchestrated picture. You know, your hair looked good. It looked like you'd done your hair a little bit. The bubbles looked particularly well formed. Like they were, you know, they were co- covering things up and stuff. And then you just had the book. I, I've got a whole, I've got a whole other wrestling books here I've never read. So <laughs> maybe that's I'm <laughs> projected. No, the, the, the only set part of it was the bubbles. Definitely, I was definitely uh, definitely covering a few rolls and things like that. <laughs> Who took the photo? That's that's what that's what we all know. Wow. Oh yeah, yeah. No, Sarah was uh, Sarah was definitely up for um, promoting the um, promoting the idea of a nice warm Saturday morning bath. She was definitely <laughs> pro morning baths. Uh, one of the few who was on my side, uh, bizarrely enough, listening to listening to that over the over the course of the week. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's uh, it was uh, yeah, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't that it wasn't that stage. Didn't even do my hair as much as he thought my hair. Yeah, looked that's done, all I'm saying. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. The bath makes your hair look good as well. <laughs> the one for the. the the one for the tick list for the bath. There you go. Yeah, it made me laugh. You did. You did have some defenders though in the comments. You know, some people who are partial oh, yeah. to a to a, to a good morning bath. So you know, you're not alone. It's uh, how, how about a bath of beans? <laughs> Fucking Christ! <laughs> are we, are we the bean-eating grapple fucks? Is that us? There <laughs> we are. That's us. I still want to see the issue beans. I'm the beans, mate. Beans are great. Yeah. Throw beans versatile. Have them in any meal. Have them for breakfast. Have them for tea. Different types of beans, you know. Yeah. If you can get a bit fancy with it, get yourself some pinto beans. Uh, I don't see this big issue. Toast, jacket potato next to a load of meat. Yes, next to chips, it works. <laughs> we need to send Lanza some kind of like bean bake or something like that. Send him a frozen bean bake and the post or something for one of his uh, <laughs> From one of his game. food. Oh, when he does a yeah, food yeah. review. But his yeah. food oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> send him. We'll send him. I in think a he'd be 
fucking horrified. Need a custom right. Greggle bag for that to send it over. Yeah, yeah. Get something <laughs> mocked up. Absolutely <laughs> worth it. Let's, uh, yeah, give us some ideas in the chat mm-hmm. for this. Like, what, what things should we be looking for for that? Because we definitely need to get on board with it. See, we, we, we want peace, not war. We're, we're, we're not fanning the flames of this uh, USA versus uh, UK war that uh, that one Joe Lanza was uh, yes. talking about on. Uh, if anyone didn't hear it on, it was one of the uh, the Patreon shows for uh, Voices of Wrestling. I literally signed back up that morning. I was going on a nice walk, going for a nice walk around uh, to, to my local little, and then I heard that slander in my ears while I was walking around. Put me in such a bad mood, I didn't even notice Gareth that they had a beer festival on in Little, and I didn't get myself any good beers. So, yeah, Lanza ruined my whole Friday afternoon there. Mainly because I was laughing at it, but still. <laughs> uh, what they, uh, get any good ones for the ones that you did actually get? Anything worth? Not really, no. I saw some other people's pictures of stuff going on there. Genuinely, when they do the beer festivals, they do them well. You know, they have to get like actual, it's not just like the knockoff shit that they have in a, in like my local Aldi and stuff. I saw Ben Owens had gone there and a couple of other people had gone as well. I just got the standard shit, to be honest. The, uh, the, the, uh, they, they create your own uh, IPAs that they make there, but I'll be heading back this weekend to make up for it. Yeah, very good. Mm, I was going to ask about you guys' weekend, though. By the way, I know you. I know uh, it's a busy weekend in the uh, in the uh, the grapple household this weekend, Gareth, with uh, with the footy on and stuff. We had a <laughs> had a quiet one. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, they, they they went out to watch the 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 big game. Went around Sarah's mum's to watch the big Everton Sheffield United game. That oh, was yeah. uh, I, I was more di- I was no, I was uh, I was more disappointed with that one myself because it was the the fantasy football. I made the mm. ridiculous decision to transfer in uh, Ben Godfrey and Calvert Lewin. So, I mean, I must admit, I did have slightly in the back of my mind: if this doesn't come off, then ha ha kind of thing. That means they've probably got beat. So, um, so I did have that sort of like slight saving grace there. But yeah, what you need, you need to be sending your keeper up, mate. That's what you need. <laughs> oh, so annoyed I didn't have Allison in fantasy football. I'll tell you. Like, oh. <laughs> don't worry people who aren't into the fancy football chat there's only two there's two games left and not even that now two one and a half game weeks left and all of our seasons are fucking in tatters i've done oh. better i've done better since i stopped paying more attention like since i've just mm. been making one transfer a week and just going with the hive mind of well who's everyone getting in this week i'll get them and not overthinking it i've had some good weeks but i don't think i'm uh, quite catching the uh, the top of the grapple leaderboard although i'm in the running for a couple of i've got i'm in, in like a, yeah. a work league and the lads I'm, I'm i'm second he's first and i'm like 15 points behind them but it's dangerous then because you start trying to think okay this week i'm gonna captain like gilfy sigurdsson or you know make some kind of random move like that to uh to try and catch him so i'm in that game but i'm not i'm not in it with grapple at this point that's that's dead james he was in the running but i think he's dead too that's a bit, yeah he's he's down a, he's a fourth at the minute i mean obviously there's games going on as we speak and mm. tomorrow as well Jordan, who in fairness has been a hell of a front runner during this, he's just been like leading and just like constantly being there. He's on, um, yeah, he's on eleven, mm. but he's got like he's a good few players. He had Ian Acho as well, who scored a goal um, today as well. So he's done, he's doing all right. I mean, it's in terms of like it's relatively close between like third. And really, you could go down as like kind of far as like kind of seventh, eighth, mm. even. You're tenth, Benno. You've had a, like a great few weeks. I'll take top ten. You? Top ten finish is as good as I can hope for at this point. Uh, I'm nineteenth. I'm Gareth is twenty second at the moment. He's uh, hunting you down, mate. Hunting you down. <laughs> we'll have a relegation yeah. zone next year. You'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll get there at the moment. The relegate. You'll be the people who've just stopped playing. So like, 
Elliot Harris there. He's got Sabios in mm. his team, so I'm just assuming. And Aubameyang as vice captain. <laughs> Tini and Defense. Okay, that makes sense why he's bottom. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he's completely given up on that. We'll have a prize as well for rough bottom next year. Yeah. Yeah, are we, yes. Well, do we have to do prizes for this? Jeez, this got out of hand. Yeah, we could do. We, right. do, we, we, could, we, talk, do. we could potentially do one for the Euros, couldn't we? Like, that, that's coming well, up, you know? It might tie in with something else we maybe think of as well. That'd be the other. Mm. Yeah, and that's, that's the, the kind of bigger thing. But, you know, keep them peeled. <laughs> or we'll say on that one the time being uh, could work out but yeah and all to play for in the grapple league like you said Jordan Steins Dave Barker and Rob Reed are uh, gunning it out at the top I think it's pretty much Jordan's uh, to lose I think he'd have to lose about 60 points worth of uh, ground to lose to, uh, to Dave Barker and Sackham but yeah good work mate uh, yeah we'll have to uh, sort something out um, and then uh, you know reward you for uh, for finishing first at some point but yeah yes we were now, we'll have our own league next year we'll just have the three of us against each other uh, um, and do that way. That's the only way we can oh. compete in a <laughs> in a grapple league. Uh, but yeah, how about you, JP? Did you get up so much of the weekend? Ah, uh, what did I get up to? Not really a whole lot because I kept on pissing it down every kind of like fifteen minutes. Mm-hmm. It was it was very weird. I enjoyed the second half of the FA Cup final. I thought the VAR stuff was funny for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. Like I will say, I had a good fucking laugh at that. Um, I've not been watching a lot of Black Mirror with um the eldest I've been going through that mm. like from the beginning as well you can't really binge that is no. what i've learned very rapidly you watch three episodes of that and your mood is really altered on a mm. saturday night you're like i'm not really in the mood for anything now other than something that's not technology based um it's really what you come away from it from it's still great mm. those early series as well the channel like the stuff that was on channel four almost like before it went on the netflix like he's he's re like we watched like White Bear and the Christmas special and stuff like that. And yeah. Traumatized. So yeah, it was a lovely weekend other than that. <laughs> um yeah. That work recording with you guys. Mm, that was say. uh I watched the uh yeah, I was gonna say yeah, and also on Saturday I watched uh, the Punisher. <laughs> so um I was gonna say my weekend wasn't great because I watched the Punisher. Yeah. <laughs> it was it probably in a yeah. bad mood on Saturday night. I only, only got over it, like, slagging it off with you guys on Sunday on the Patreon episode. If anyone if anyone hasn't watched it, don't. Um, if you were thinking, oh, I'll catch up with that Patreon episode once I've seen the film, you don't need to see it. Just listen to our review. That'll do. Gareth will fill you in with some Punisher history and lore and stuff. And, yeah, you know, you, you get me in. Law. <laughs> yeah. You're the, uh, you're the, uh, the, the Punisher. The law. You're the, the comics and uh, Punish, Punisher expert, aren't you, Gareth? Mm. <laughs> I'm not having that expert title thrown at me. No. You're the comics correspondent. Yeah. Had, no, we did. Had a slight piece of knowledge compared to you two, I think, but it was the it was that. But yeah. I'm not having I'm not been tarred with that expert brush. I'm not having people coming at coming at me, correcting me. Well there was a lot there was a lot of fun stuff, especially when we got into uh, Turtles 2, mm. uh, Secret of the Ooze, which you'd watched both Turtles film. Now, that, that was weekend. a good time. I enjoyed that on Saturday night. It was shite, but yeah. Yeah. first one was definitely better than the second one, which, yeah. I felt like, I, like I said to you guys on the podcast, I had to see the first one just to, uh, you know, ground myself, understand the other uh, Turtles' backstory. I couldn't, you can't just jump into the, to the to the sequel like uh, Fresh JP. You've got to you got to do your homework. But no, it was fun seeing uh, mm. Kevin Nash's uh, as Super Shredder. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> came along with it. Um, yeah, he's had a he's had a career as that man, and as yeah, we said there, and we said on the weekend show, it's. I think we're gonna have to double dip on this one. I think we uh, since the the the, uh, the Patreon vote we had last week, we had a, a couple of uh, really good other suggestions for Kevin Nash movies, oh, movies yeah. with uh, with other wrestlers in as well. Like uh, like I say, there's a there's there's definitely definitely miles and miles of stuff we can do with this film club idea. Oh, there's loads of directions, and especially with Kevin Nash. It's trying to find what is like, I mean, effectively, are we killing time until COVID-19 invasion comes out? I'd be kind of game for that, because it feels like that needs to be watched regardless. Yeah, I don't think we'll have a vote on that one. We're just watching it. (laughs) Just watching it. Um, The definitive movie of our times covering the COVID-19 era starring Kevin Nash. I feel like that's what what that's going to be. We can leave it all behind We should try and organise a screening. (laughs) <laughs> yes, that'd be a good. Idea. Should Jackie come with it? Yeah, how much for the right price? If we pay him, <laughs> I was going to say, um, if he's on, our, if he's got them first class tickets on that, he'll be over. Mm. Free popcorn, red wine, bit of scran. He's game. <laughs> he'll sit there and he'll talk some NWA stuff in the middle. He go, all right, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> You're a lovable asshole, mate. That's where we go with this. But yeah. um Mm-hmm. Good old big sexy. Uh, what were the other one? I know, no, I, a, a film that I would advise nobody to watch. Clippers, mm-hmm. truly awful. The front cover l- clearly lies about the amount of Kevin Nash material. A trick a lot there. of studios seem to use. Mate, the the front cover has him standing up. I didn't see him stand up once. <laughs> like not like standing up. Then, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like he was sat in the back of a car. He was sat in his arse, which is like, God love you. He's, he honestly thought, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not even getting up for these lot. It sounds fucking terrible. Awful film, mm. terrible protagonists, action film. Like, just an awful, awful film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clippers. But yeah, <laughs> listen to that on the Patreon. Uh, that, that was that was a lot more fun than The Punisher or really all of the films outside of Turtles mm-hmm. that we'd uh, managed to watch. And we well. discovered we could do the other uh, title sequels at some point to uh, cover uh, Seamus starring in them. Um, yeah, we might, maybe if we get desperate <laughs> at some point, but yeah, if you want to hear ourselves. Oh, maybe we've reached that, isn't it? <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, there's plenty more for that. We haven't even done Rock Film Club yet or uh, Kurt Angle fi- Film Club, Sid Vicious Film Club. Steve Austin. Steve Austin, somebody mentioned on the uh, on the Patreon. Yeah, that's a that's a really good idea. Uh, Goldberg, that's another one I really want to do. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Plenty. Punk. What was that? Punk. God, I thought you said Gronk then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do punks on, yeah, with his uh, various shitty horror films he's uh, he's been putting out so yeah plenty, plenty more we can do there but yeah if uh, you want to hear us uh, talk about that and, uh, <laughs> and exercise our demons you can get that on the uh, on the Grapple Patreon as well as yeah all of uh, JP's news updates this week particularly uh, the one this week with the uh, the loving loving tribute um, to <laughs> Dunkanoodle Dunkanoodle yes <laughs> who I only ever remember i'm assuming that the only real reason i was kind of aware of who he was because i would have heard dave Meltzer probably talk about him mm. eighty thousand times and the fact he tagged with sergeant slaughter it's like ray stevens it's one of those names that he's just kind of just burnt into your fucking cortex isn't it it's just like he never gets away from it mm-hmm. yeah he's dead um i gave a tribute <laughs> well it wasn't meant to be in slight about that i mean but that's how i delivered it I mean, <laughs> can't get around it can you Rest in peace. Eh? We've lost an angel on earth. Yeah, Don's gone. 
<laughs> the, the benefits of uh, <laughs> of signing up to the Gaffel Patreon. You get lovely, loving, blowing tributes like that. But yeah, as well as that, obviously, we did our, our weekend show at the weekend last week. There probably won't be a weekend show this Friday, but we uh, stay mm. tuned uh, for that. Um, yes. But obviously, we'll have one uh, next week for the uh, the AW's uh, Double or Nothing pay per view, which, believe it or not, is uh, is uh, the next uh, weekend coming up after this one. So yeah, plenty of that to get on the Gaffel Patreon. Pitch, potentially surveillance footage of my house that might be coming uh, people who uh, tuned in live will nice. know all about that that might be a, a Patreon bonus coming soon but uh, anything anything we can throw up there uh, you're getting short long story short it's escalated <laughs> if you if you listen to the pre-game show it's, it's escalated now to what I think is a worrying degree <laughs> yeah patreon.com you might need to get that purple <laughs> bat signal up to get him round <laughs> <laughs> just a large flexing pair of muscles in the sky. <laughs> just stand outside and keep guard. <laughs> you can just pay him a little feels of your arm, you know? It'd be cheap at least. Go on. Cheeky squeeze, Benno. You'll be all right. <laughs> oh, no one ever died over that. I feel like it's one of the lessons. Uh, well. <laughs> oh, he means well. He's only, it's only pair plucky. Anyway. <laughs> Oh, I don't know how to transition now. Anyway, <laughs> Patreon.com slash grapple for all of that stuff. Yes. Um, oh, I feel like I'm JP now. Also, New Jack died. I don't know. I don't know how to get into it. That was going to be my first subject. Uh, yeah. as, you, as you will have heard uh, at the head of uh, of uh, this episode, uh, there isn't a chance. I haven't even, obviously, I haven't edited it yet because I'm talking live, but there isn't a chance any song is going as the intro other than Natural Born Killers. We resisted. I think we'll resist anyway. The, the temptation to just play it all the way through the episode. Um, but <laughs> yes, um, all jokes aside, that was a, that did hit. We were recording the weekend show on Friday, weren't we, JP? And obviously, we got mm. all the news done, and then it was only a, a couple of hours uh, later that the uh, the news broke that, that New Jack did die. Obviously, uh, you know, he's a character, um, to say the least, mm. uh, in, in wrestling law for both good and bad reasons um like i say there are things in his in his personal life that don't uh, unbelievably don't make him come across like the uh, the uh, a glowing um human at times and you know there's other things you know good stories that you hear too but you know all all in all like somebody who's hugely hugely a, a big part of of wrestling you know said law before and and history mm. really um he is you know even if you you weren't born at the time um he was at ecw or if you know he didn't necessarily see the smoky mountain stuff um as it as it was happening as probably most people didn't you can't be a wrestling fan and and not know the name new jack and and not know his uh his history you know we were only talking about him a couple of weeks ago weren't we when we were doing the uh the wrestling society x uh review the fact yeah. that he even turned up there did a couple of turns in uh in impact as well you know at the very start jp that uh that comedy team he was doing with shark boy you know he had a sense of humor didn't he yeah uh, as a uh, denzel's best mate um as wow. he was known in uh <laughs> beyond the mat uh yeah, I've got a million great memories of uh, of New Jack, of at least in the Ringos, and yeah, one of the uh, yeah one of the uh, the most notable, I think, personalities in wrestling, and one of those people where, like I say, you don't expect them to die. You just don't like it's. I know he was in his late fifties. I know he's an ex DCW wrestler. I know he's a wrestler. But when I saw that news on Friday, it genuinely floored me. I mean, in some ways now, I feel like I've there's been so many wrestler deaths that mm. you you kind of live through now. In some ways, I, I wasn't sure. I was like, oh my god, mm. right? Because partly we'd seen him actually wrestle. I say wrestle. He appeared at WrestleMania weekend, didn't he, mm. on one of the IWTV shows? Oh, course, yeah. Walk, and he was oh, absolutely. I forgot. Mess. I completely forgot yeah. we talked about that. Yeah, Christ, yeah, yeah. And oh. he was 
all over the place. So in some ways, I ended up thinking about that when I had a little bit of time to kind of ruminate on him. Yeah. And it's a really, it's one of these things where like, as a human being, and when you look at the totality of some of the things he did, like the Vic's, Vic Grimes thing, which is attempted murder, really. He threw him off the top of a roof, didn't he? And then what he did... I that- don't know. I think that one's a work, you know. I don't buy that one. I buy the, the, the um, Gypsy the Joe The bump's one. too bad. Do you reckon? Oh, the Gypsy Joe is horrific. Yeah. Yeah. I don't um, know, though. And like- also the, mm. the other lad in oh, Dark yeah, Side of the Ring, who we didn't know anything yeah. about. Yeah, mm. no, no, not Mass no, Transit. The, the young one. lad at the end. Oh, and I yeah, can't. Yeah. And he stabbed him, didn't he? And the guy let him. He let him off. He said he'd work an angle with him. Mm. So it's one of these things where, like, as a person, you could you could say like terrible in many ways. And is is but he's incredibly influential, and you can't take away that kind of influence. Mm. He was something entirely different being presented because you have to take it in the context of when he came through. Mm. WCW and WWF were cartoon land. They were like, you know, WCW were starting to just kind of buy X, buy up X WWF names, and it was in a very sort of cartoony way. WWF at that point was in the kind of swathes of not knowing really what they were or who they were. They were kind of transitioning over to the Attitude Era, and that era kind of sucks mm. pretty much for a reason. And so, so a character like New Jack was completely different because I think, and where the appeal for me was, was I didn't get this anywhere else, this kind of character who appealed to me as a teenager, whereas Duke the Dumpster Drosy and like, you know, the, oh, what was the stable that Kevin Sullivan had in WCW that was up against Hogan for like fucking Dungeon years? The Dungeon of Doom, that's it. Like that kind of stuff was an absolute nonsense. Whereas for like New Jack, there was a kind of realness and authenticity. And we're going to talk about the Nick Gage documentary later on. And I think there's a kind of very much a similar theme of this is who he was. And I can imagine at that point in time, if you're a, like, if you're a young, like if you, if you are a wrestling fan who's black and you're seeing the way that wrestling has historically treated non-white characters and you see a character like this, who is kind of completely different, you know, that that's going to have like an enormous influence. And in terms of the aesthetic around him as well, something like natural born killers, just playing throughout that kind of blurring, like ultimate blurring of music and a match. It's like the one time that it really worked because if you take away that music, really what is a new Jack match? And for the most part, it did just like terrible matches really. But, and so he just kind of created something that's re- that's never going away within like the industry. He's someone who isn't going to be forgotten about. I mean, there's various other people. When you're thinking ECW and you're thinking of that kind of top tier of people who stand out, New Jack's there. And this is someone who was never going to be world champion or anything else like that because belts in essence never kind of mattered for it. it, it I mean, completely, completely unique. And I'd recommend everyone to go and watch the, the Dark Knight of the Ring episode. And I'm, pretty suspected he bullshits his way a lot through that. But like what you're getting there is the kind of unadulterated of the kind of good and bad of New Jack. Mm. Yeah, it was funny because obviously with this news coming almost like quite soon after watching that Brian Pillman documentary the other week, and it just had me thinking about this whole thing of, you know, the... Um, you know, Loose Cannon, Brian Pillman and that character that he created and, you know, with 
it was it was something that he was piecing together and thinking about. And I think like, no, New Jack was the, the genuine loose cannon and was fucking living it. You know, he was someone who, like, if, if for me, it'd, it'd be someone where if I was at a show and he was there, I think I'd have genuine fear when it was like him coming down to the aisle, whether I was 18-year-old or I was 40-year-old, I wouldn't want to be on the fucking front row or uh, up close or making any eye contact or anything like that. You know, he was just someone where he's, he, he, his his whole character and personality and being just the, you know the volume was just turned up to 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 the maximum and just just cut through in sort of such a strong way and I, th- I think it's i think it's probably testament that when you think of ecw in that time period and how much of it was you know how much of it was going on in in, in ecw at the time and how much of it felt a bit underground and things like that ultimately all of those guys ended up having their little wcw run or their wwe run and things where they you know they were almost catapulted into that you know, mainstream audience and kept an element of their act and things like that. You know, clearly, clearly he didn't, but yet his legacy and his name and everything about it still seemed to, you know, even you know, if we'd have talked about New Jack 12 months ago or something like that, it would have still carried that weight of the, mm. you know, the position that he had in ECW mm. and he was known, he was somebody that his name kind of transcended probably, you know, to a bigger audience than... You maybe should have done really based on um you know based on the national or global exposure that he actually ended up having and i know a lot of that's comes out of the negative side of things which you know some of these instances that you've you know we've re- referenced there the, the the mass transit stuff the the grime stuff and things like things like that but if you think of you know ultimately at its core what you know what wrestling is and the present presentation of yourself as a as a wrestler and getting yourself over and getting a character over strong like did it you know it was achieved it more strongly than him in terms of actually you know leaving his mark on on on, on who he is and you know having this kind of like indelible profile of a, of, a, of, a, of a character beyond that and you know again he's, he's someone who from a wrestling point of view not my cup of tea. I can certainly leave a lot of the bullshit, um, you know, that goes along with it uh, behind as well. But if you think of someone who's just an, an icon of the era, an icon of that style of yeah. of wrestling, a, a, an icon of that underground shift and change in the in the way wrestling was presenting itself and viewed in the in, in, in the late nineties, you know, like you said, JP. New Jack's right there at the top when you when you when you when you when you're drawing those ECW lists up and yeah it's a it's a it's it's clearly a shame to to, to see him go at such a relatively young age really yeah it's funny because like for me like you know being a you know a gangster rap fan and the fact that he was coming out to like Ice Cube and Dr Dre you know one of the the greatest rap songs of all time never mind the best entrance themes of all time there's not many songs you can get away with playing on loop for sometimes half an hour at a time but that's the one I think you can get away with playing on loop like I was such such a big New Jack fan you know it like especially on like those old ECW VHS's you know it was it was always a great thing as well like I'd go I'd, I'd be buying random ECW videos mainly because say Jared and Rob Van Damme was on one or because Tajiri Super Crazy was on one or whatever and this is even in the later years and I'd always be anytime there was like a shit match on one of those tapes you'd just be sitting there hopeful 
if that if that gunshot goes off a natural one killer <laughs> and and New Jack's gonna come out and just clear the ring of these fucking jobbers and nine times out of ten it'd happen like nine times out of ten yeah. it'd be the same shit you know he comes out with the song shopping car full of weapons batters a load of people staples a load of their heads you know does a little bit of a jig and a dance and then at some point climbs up somewhere high and jumps off and that was that, that was the, that was the formula and it fucking worked it was like and this is later in his career you know never mind you know the earlier stuff he did where he was you know genuinely one of the best promos in the world if you haven't seen the the promo he you know obviously there's the the famous um oj simpson promo uh when he talks about yeah there's a <laughs> nice one oj this oh, what does he say there's a uh, two less of them to worry about that one yeah, yeah. the one where smoky um, mountain of all places smoky mountain yeah. yeah and then the one where mustafa turned on him in ecw that's a killer promo he had so many of those killer mm. program pr- promo moments but if anything like uh, maybe like his best work if you were going to say traditionally as a wrestler was that stuff when he was a heel because then once in ECW he was just so beloved you didn't so much get that stuff you still got like you know dangerous feeling promos and he had that obviously had that star presence and vibe but you know you didn't really get the the the, the tippy top material maybe you got like earlier in his career but he was still so so entertaining and he had so much to offer and you know i made the joke there about the you know the line from beyond the mat about him being you know where he might not be denzel but he could be his best friend stuff and you mm. know I, I honestly think there was truth to that because it's like he was he was so like it it wasn't even just in his promos just as a human being he's one of those people who just like he just dripping charisma isn't he just as a as a person and that's why you know some of the shittier things he did and like you say don't want to sweep him under the rug there are some very shitty things he did you know kind of seemed to to almost get away with it and skate um because you know he was so charismatic and partly because you believed him you know you thought yeah he might stab you next and that's kind of the the worry (laughs) with him and it it did it went against him because he could have could have done so much more like remember those rumors in the early 2000s about how he was going to come into the wwe i think shane mcmahon was high on him or something was the rumor i always remember like the 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 the, i wasn't i wasn't reading the observer at that point but i think i was definitely like following 411 manias uh or wrestling at the times like copy and pastes talking about how yeah he was going to be the man who stabbed john cena in the club uh with you know that whole jesus angle all of that like i was buying that hook line and sinker and the old wives tale goes doesn't it that he you know he came into a dude trial cut a killer promo and then they put him in the ring and he couldn't wrestle a lick um that's wwe's fucking problem you know if <laughs> they, they can't find a way to use someone who's as good a promo as new jack and you know they were even think did we talk about it when we did the Muhammad Hassan episode that there was talk of bringing him in as a, a a mouthpiece for those guys and being like you know the the, the black Muslim type um, again that might just be you know wrestling wrestle's own nonsense or whatever but I remember that being a story too I would have done it though JP just to get him on telly like I would have taken it honest could you imagine that <laughs> could you imagine if you went right with gusto I will dive into this role mm. like. I mean, he'll get him kicked off network TV, and again, it would just add to his legacy, wouldn't it? He yeah. would just say things that are just horrific. Wait, and he might have really stabbed like... John Cena, to be honest, if they're giving him that role. So, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You never know. <laughs> you How beloved would he have been then at that point if he just got fired after stabbing John Cena? Like, at that point in time, early to mid two thousands, like they, uh, the people would have been just like... another justifiable homicide, JP. Just another one. Yeah, <laughs> I was to say from an acting perspective i can remember him appearing doing a couple of things on the daily show yeah, of all yeah. things when john stewart was there mm. and he was like these kind of like just 
him and another bloke is a couple of hard bastards. Mm. Um, yeah, there's 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 a lot of new Jack memories. You mentioned about the promos. The one I there's one I remember him. It might be one of the first kind of clips I saw of him was um, it was him talking about like him not going to WWF or Eric Bischoff. Fuck Eric Bischoff. I don't know him. Like I'm not. Just like. And you're like, I want to see more of this guy. And even though you describe him as basically, he basically turned into 911, mm. just an elongated version. He came out, he'd clear a load of jobbers, he'd smash up the ring, be entertaining. It wasn't a match. It's just a, a kind of um, like a, a story that happens. Mm. And then he would, and then there was stuff about him. He'd do the dive. So then it didn't matter if he got pinned mm. because people wouldn't care about that. What they'd remember is the dive he did off the top. That's mm. the thing that would that would stick with them when they went. And yeah, he was right. Him and Spike Dudley, the stereo mm. dives they did at Living Dangerously. Oh, yeah. That was always a good You look clip. back on that. That is mental what mm. they did. Like mm. properly mental height onto a frankly like a hard like flooring mm. with just a table and Axel Rotten lying on said table. I mean, like you're running God knows what kind of risk or Jack victory or fucking whoever mm. at that point in time. Yeah. And also in his match, you could put him up against anyone. It didn't matter how good they were for the most part. Cause he was just going to hit them with the fucking guitar off trying to play it or going on the keyboard. Yeah. <laughs> or, or, or appearing in photos with Terry Runnels with her having bladed her forehead. That's the one that always like uh, yeah. springs to mind for me as well, as well when he was like dating her and having her like, mm. having her, you just think what a fucking bizarre scenario that was. But, uh, it's, uh, yeah. it's just one of these instances where he just seems to be kind of like omnipresent and just seems mm. to just pop up in just different like different environments and different scenarios over time just doing mad shit and uh, mm. definitely uh, I think when you're uh, if we're ever on a top five mm. show or something like that I think you said Benno of like doing like the top five like craziest people in wrestling or something like that I think he's someone who's certainly going to be in the mix and uh, up, for, mm. up for consideration because oh, the, yeah. uh, the list of stories that you could uh, you know you could sit down and you know, regale now. We could easily do a whole show on him, couldn't we? Hundred percent, hundred percent, and yeah, you know, just you could even like like Liam said there, you know, he's a yeah the top ten entrance theme, but also a top ten yeah he was top ten as far as shoot interviews go. So as far as stories go for for a show like that, we're not going to be uh, we're not going to be laughing in them, are we? Um, and yeah, like I say, I, I just love you into his dying days. Hundred percent work those dark side of the ring producers, you know, like that was like there was half the stuff in that documentary was just like ah, I think New Jack's had you on a bit here, lads. It was uh, mainly uh, you know. The, the Vic Graham stuff and stuff like that but yeah he's uh again he's just someone you you never would have expected uh it, it just feels weird he feels like someone who, yeah you wouldn't expect to die but you know ECW guy in his 50s probably probably shouldn't be mm. that much of a shock um but yeah obviously I know he had I think he had a lot of public spats didn't he uh, JP with his uh with his daughter who's trans and I thought I saw a post on yeah. Twitter about how you know he was still me dad type of thing so I was kind of I thought that was like a, a nice bit of at least a closure you know for the family and yeah. such and again we're not saying he's the best person in the world if anything we're saying oh, God, no. the opposite aren't we um, but you know you can't understate like what a well, what a huge character he was in, in wrestling I was going to say what's the what would be the thing to do I mean I know he's, he's as a person like mm. not good mm. what's that mean you'd ignore him no, mm-hmm. like he, he is a big part of wrestling history and a bigger one. Mm. 
Mm. And, it, and and because it's it's one of these things we were speaking about, like the, the Brits abroad stuff and part mm. of the categories when you look at people is what is the influence? And I think the influence of him is is enormous. It's bigger than, than what it is. And it goes beyond the kind of death match and stunts. I think it's about a presentation of realism mm. of who you are, of being really to kind of like, Really, you mentioned it. It's like the key is the promos, and when you watched him do those those kind of things, and it's just the level of intensity and the fearlessness. Mm. Yeah, that's it. And uh, that, again, if you've not seen some of the promos we talked about, maybe the matches aren't going to live up to uh, to much these days. But at least the promos, yeah, you can easily get yourself uh, buried in a uh, in YouTube um, looking up uh, different classic New Jack promos from uh, from over the years. So that's probably uh, like I say that and that Sharp Boy tag team from T and AJP. They're the way, they're the yeah. ways to, uh, to to remember. I'm sure either you'd appreciate both. But yeah, I mean, I, I suppose moving on kind of slightly, but not entirely. Really, I think. Related to that, um, you mentioned before, JP, the uh, the Nick Gage dark side of the ring um, came out this week, and what a weird week for that to come out because you can't help but see some parallels, can you? Like as far as you know, big personalities who like people believe in, who you know were questionable, maybe maybe you know criminal backgrounds, who you know somehow you know become like mega popular baby faces despite their limitations i think there's a there's an argument there isn't there? i don't think it does gauge any favors to say he's like a modern day new jack but in some ways he kind of is isn't he and yeah it's uh mm. it, i suppose it speaks to his appeal doesn't he that like someone like a nick gage can can get over even with you know someone like you jp you hate you hate death matches and you know i know yeah. you're a big nick gage fan i saw you wearing your uh your nick gage t-shirt on uh on friday as well um yeah um i know yes. The washington. Oh, shame, shame you couldn't uh, bust it out for tonight, but yeah. <laughs> Washing the blood out of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I bladed myself. <laughs> JP is empty everyone. I was sticking in my mouth. Yeah. <laughs> Make no mistake. Uh, but yeah, I don't know you were a, particularly a, a huge fan of this yeah. one, JP. I, I'm an enormous fan of this documentary. I, I think for me, I think this might be the best of them because it is very, very different from a lot of the other ones. And I have kind of almost done like 180 degrees about Nick Gage because I think the first the first thing I... There was a lot of him in CZW that I just would not really pay attention to because a lot of that's happening in such a, a small bubble. And when the wrestling channel had gone, it wasn't like I was trying to hunt down CZW Wired shows and stuff like that. However, um, the thing I did see is when he got done for the armed robbery, that was the thing that stood out. I was like, oh, right, yeah, because I'd heard the name and I wasn't necessarily entirely familiar. So then I read up about it. And then I remember seeing that there was a shoot interview with him when he literally got released from prison. So the footage they show in there, they've got, obviously they've got a camera there. They start like kind of interviewing him and he seems really angry and fucked off. And I was like, yeah, this bloke comes across as a fucking arsehole. Like, uh, and you kind of then look at the context of this, of where he is and how he was feeling at that point in time. Now, I would travel good distances to see him, and I'm not really interested in the wrestling. It's him, and do you know what? I got reminded by it of seeing that main event from GCW this weekend where he came out, and because people weren't, you know, like the idea of social distancing and the rest, partly because of the the amount of vaccinations they've done in the US, he came out and it was like a Nick Gage crowd, like chanting MDK, just hugging him, pushing him, he's pushing him back. Stuff he absolutely loves. And you realise, like, 
He's an apps. He's just a force of nature, mm. and part of the beauty of him is he can't really be hired by the major two companies. It just doesn't work. The only company I can see him being hired by is Triller to do a one-off death match for them. Yes, and I say it once, and I say it again. Get him in either versus Anita or David Arquette. Like there is something to be said for that because he will. F- you give him. 30 grand and imagine what that fucker will do for that like he would go insane but this this documentary for me has like I, I just think it's amazing I think it's at, like for this it felt like it had it had become something else where it was all of the flaws of him so there was no kind of sugar coating because he was so real he was absolutely like honest to a fault Everything that happens, like you could do two parts out of this and really in some ways that'd be a part of it. I I would love to see. He, you kind of got the, just that level of intensity, but also just the sheer kind of, this is someone who is unashamed about the fact he's willing to kind of die for his art as well. And there's a whole kind of story with him and Brett Lauderdale and the kind of, where their relationship goes and their friendships. And by God, Brett Lauderdale, just like sticking with him to the end. And yeah, it worked out. But he was seeing this in Nick Gage when no one else was. When MDK gang was not a thing and all that stuff, he was there. And I think there's like some of the clips, it goes from the kind of like remembering the Arquette match and just how absolutely horrified I was watching it. And it still makes me cringe. Like when he's digging that in, the stuff that I just can't handle. The bit where he's set on fire, and then he's rolling around the floor and he's not going out. And you're like, fucking hell. The bit where he nearly dies against Thumbtack Jack. Mm. And like, you're watching that. And then technically he dies for a bit. And even the stuff with Moxley, like all of this stuff is absolutely insane. But it's done a, the fact that this is kind of happening to someone who is actually a big star at this point in time, which I don't think they've managed to do on any other dark side of the ring so far. So mm. there's always that element of like of the bullshit that comes around the mythology of a lot of these kind of ex wrestlers. And this just has none of that. Mm. There you yeah. go. Sorry. Yeah. And I mean, I, I liked how minimal it was as well. I liked how they, you know, this wasn't one with, like, they didn't have Jim Cornette as a talking head because of course you shouldn't, you know, it was kept to, like you said, they're the people who knew him best. And like mm-hmm. of the people who knew him best there, I really like, the highlight of this for me was Moxley. Like the the joy with Mitch, like Moxley was talking about Nick Gage, you know, getting really animated telling the story about like the the pizza cutter and then getting really animated, you know, telling talking about how yeah, Vincent Mann would kill to have somebody who connects like a like a Nick Gage does. Like if you if you doubt for a second why Moxley does what he does and wants to appear on GCW shows and do angles with Nick Gage, like we'll uh, we'll mention in a bit. I think this this gave it away. Um, but yeah, I think that was the thing for me. You can't, I don't think you can come away from this and and not just just love the guy. Like like you said, he's he is just a ge- he's genuine, isn't he? He's just a he's just mm. he is what he is. Um, and he like, he's not like I don't think he's putting a character on. I think you know he's he, he believes in what he does and he believes in you know that you know. I think when he says things like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna die young, and you know, I, I want to die in this ring, that type of stuff. Maybe they're they're not things we should hugely um, applaud, but you know, you believe it, you know, when it comes out of his mouth, and there's something to be said to that for 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 a real 
character um which is you know what he is that's why he connects that's why he's so beloved by you know the gcw fans and by fans in general like yourself jp mm. don't don't you know normally love death matches um he is he's just there's something special about him i think it's just a shame he's not a very good wrestler but you know it almost it almost doesn't matter um for the style that he works and the audience that mm. he's in front of and you know yeah you know speaking of talking heads i thought brett lauderdale was uh was very good on the show as well i, I didn't realize he went I think, I think i knew he used to ref for czw but i hadn't really made the maybe the connection that he was you know that close mm. with gage or that he went back quite as far um as he does so you know you add that too and yeah i just think all, all in all i really really enjoyed this is that piece of piece of work and i thought yeah it's definitely echo what you say jp about it being one of the uh the better um dark side of the ring ones uh did you see this uh gareth yeah i, I watched it I, I enjoyed it as for, for for what it was as like a documentary like portrait of nick gage uh, i suppose and just you know finding out a bit more about him as the person and finding about a bit more about him the you know the backstory and things like that but um i'm just going to turn heel on you both here and just like there where you're just saying about you know you can't watch this and not come away from it loving him more and just you know, <laughs> you know like he's a he's a man who's going to die for his art and uh, things like that i just came away from it thinking yeah what a cock like what a complete cock this guy is <laughs> that, was, that, was, that was my that was my abiding thought of it i was just like thinking if this was a guy who lived on my street i'd move off the street if this was a guy who worked <laughs> my place of work i'd leave my job and i'd go somewhere else he's just a, as a human being this is somebody that i just never ever want you know you would never ever want to be around to to any 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 degree whatsoever and like i, I get it like I, I i get the connection to him that people have i think people describing him as a big star and things like that i think i'd dispute that you know he's maybe a big star in a room full of 100 people in um you know you know in ebor city or something like that maybe but yeah i don't think i don't think i'm I'm putting him over as a a big star by any degree he's got he's got charisma at that at that level but um but yeah and when it comes uh when it comes down to it the you know fucking shitty matches like <laughs> that i just can't you know i can't bide any of that bollocks yeah four and a half uh, match last year mate come on <laughs> let's not go mental when it comes to the match stuff i'm probably with gareth <laughs> you know like him man there was literally nothing there was zero likable likable about nick gage the human being to me in that documentary that i that, that i saw for nothing at all cut through in the slightest that warmed me to him in fact it was probably someone who prior to watching that documentary while not loving him i was warm to him and i liked the idea of like what he's achieved at the level mm. he's achieved and the buzz that he's generated and how he's done it you know i certainly respected and you know that side of things you know i did obviously i knew the his, you know the history of him going to jail and things like that but i think just hearing him hearing him talk hearing you know his his approach to certain things where you you know you're taking certain liberties and things like that in all walks of life whether it's in wrestling or outside of wrestling and and, and, and various things i was just like what a cock, Bellend. Like, he's just, uh, I was like, yeah, he's gone from, yeah, fine, fine, Nick, you know, fine. Appreciate your, uh, how over you've got yourself. But now I'm just like, yeah, don't want to, yeah, don't want to see this guy succeeding on any level. Stone Cold Gareth. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, 
I don't want to live next door to any wrestler, so I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely don't want to live there. Nick Good rule. He'd take care of me, me phantom dog shitter, but other than that, I don't want to. I don't think oh, yeah. I do want to live in the, in the same street as him. But oh, would you would you not would you not be in the front row if he ever if he ever passes the uh, the criminal background checks to make it over to Liverpool and he comes through the crowd at TNT? Are we, are we not going to be front row pushing him back now? You're not going to be involved. I'll, 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 be, I'll be stood at the back, mate. You never know. He might whip a pizza cutter out of his trunks and just decide to have a go at my tongue or something. You never know. <laughs> Christ. Well, Gareth, what do you do with our cat then? That's, that's what we learned today, Gareth. Uh, yeah, it really is, isn't it? This is fucking brutal. I mean, I, I would say the thing about him being likeable, I like, I, I would say it's not necessarily him being likeable per se, as for all of his faults, like, I could appreciate that there was a human being there rather than a bullshit artist. Mm. And when it comes to wrestling documentaries, I think that's the side of it where like I see a certain type of wrestler of a certain era and like my brain switches off to what they say. You know, if Al Snow appears talking about anything, it's just white noise at that <laughs> point because it's just going to be the usual old bollocks. Whereas at least like I, I just found for this, like it was something that, at least there wasn't the kind of him, I suppose, you know, he's not trying to hide that stuff. Mm. Whereas, you know, there wasn't like this, like if he started talking about Jesus and stuff, I'd have had no time for any of this. Cause I like, that's this kind of shit that rubs me up the wrong way. Um, whereas for this, there's, there's none of that. Like in some ways, like the redemption story stuff, there really isn't any of that stuff. It's just like, he's going to end up, you know, killing himself and mm. well, not killing himself, but end up dying younger than what he should be. And there's no kind of getting away from that. And I think in, in some ways it's the kind of story that probably should be told about wrestling and wrestlers of like, you know, this is the way the lot of it can end up that this is the way you make, you know, you end up doing death matches. You can't really be signed by kind of big companies. The paydays themselves are kind of limited at that level as well, to a degree. So he's going to continue doing it. Mm. I mean, he's not going to have some sort of cagey Muto style phase in his late forties where he's like, right, I'll start working a good ground based style like he did in 2001 all Japan or something, <laughs> which is a kind of change of character. <laughs> Although I would pay to see that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Get him in, yeah. He's done blood sports to be fair. You know, you can, you can get down with that style. Um, but no, I mean, I, I, I mean, he's had, he's had a bad couple of years, you know, his, his mum died, his dad died, his brother died, and then Gareth buried him on grapple. Mm. But you know, he's a poor Nick Gage. Poor, <laughs> oh, he's a sympathetic, poor sympathetic figure to me. Um, I, I love him. He's, uh, got, he's got married now. He's got a, Sarah Frome said he's got a cat. He got, got married. Kitten on the way, you know. He's just what a do you want, lovable rogue. Does does little um, cameos about you know trans rights and human rights and all of that stuff. He's woke at the same time. Oh, poor Nick Gage. This this slander. Uh, Might be getting a birthday message from him, Gareth. So like, <laughs> that's what we're sorting out. That um, no, we'll get him a David Arquette one instead. Um, <laughs> I do, you know what? I did think David Arquette was up. I was hoping the documentary was going to end with him and David Arquette having like a nice meal. You know what I mean? Like a little, like, kind of, like, settling things. Because, like, Nick Cage yeah. is like, yeah, I thought he was a fucking pussy. <laughs> and, like, and David Arquette's like, yeah, maybe I, you know, maybe I panicked a little bit. But, you know, he kind of broke my trust a little bit early in the match. And uh, it was interesting to hear David Arquette's side of that. 
that famous match. But yeah, yeah I, I was hopeful it would end with like just a nice, a nice Sunday dinner or something like that, where yeah. they have a couple of glasses of wine and they they talk it through and they become friends again. Although I guess you got to sell the rematch, so maybe you need to keep that uh, that vibe. Wow. How, how much of a work? How much of a work is that? That's all I was thinking when I was watching it. Did it? Do you take that? Do you take that as? Do you take that as genuine? The arcade gauge stuff there. It felt. I don't know. It felt work to me, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Thriller. That's all I'm saying. I think anything Arquette, like after that documentary, which you know was you know hundred percent aware, I can see where you're coming from. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, again, that was a a big you know kind of that's 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 what you throw on Thriller, isn't it, JP? You know, footage of that LA Confidential show. It, it went viral at the time. It did particularly well. Um, so yeah, maybe that could maybe that could sell a fight. Maybe that's the game we're in. Yeah, you just make it. Why have a load of shot celebrity caned out of their nuts sitting front row at a fucking Nick Gage death match? And I think, <laughs> like, I think that in and of itself feels like entertaining. Mm. You know, Ric Flair sat next to Pete fucking Davidson or whatever <laughs> his name is. Like, just like, going, what the fuck is this? It's him and I don't know, Maseshi Takeda are fucking teeing off against each other. But I mean, I think that, mm. like, that. It did like that kind of stuff does feel like there's an inevitable kind of rematch because there is an interest in it because the first match was, I want to say it was a spectacle would mm. be the right word. You're like pleasantly surprised by Arquette in the first half and then it goes all death match and gets horrible very quickly. Mm. Um, but I can believe that he would say like, I told him not to cut me and gauge cut him. And it's like, yeah. <laughs> like really no shit sounds I could have like fucking a... told you that yeah again sounds like a new Jack story doesn't it um, <laughs> I can see he should have just met him and gone no I'm not doing this I don't <laughs> need to fucking do this this is madness <laughs> hopefully beat the bag teller at the end yeah there you go that was the happy ending we needed <laughs> that was hilarious good one <laughs> like Brett Lord they were saying he goes and robs a bank and it's the one day he doesn't wear a mask <laughs> it's like well it's yeah. such what a big doing, like kind of track <laughs> he's wearing he looks like a fucking Teletubby with a beard doesn't he he's like wearing a pink blue fucking tracky walking up to the counter yeah. <laughs> With his ad staring up at the camera, which, I mean, again, I'm not an expert in bank robberies. I'd say mm. that's a no. Like, wear a mask, you know. Well, probably, lesson one. It. There you go, Nick Age. A lesson for everyone, both in how not to live your life and also how to not not rob a bank. Um, but no, if anyone hasn't checked it out, it is worthwhile. I think all of these Dark Side of the Rings wind up on YouTube, don't they? Or the, uh, the various watch wrestling sites for those of us in the UK. and other producers don't like that, but hey. Get a better, get a better distribution deal over here, and then we can. Uh, it's coming on all four, apparently, but um, it's always late. You could put it, them on like, there now. Mm, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's kind of the, the way the way things go, isn't it? Over here, with like with distribution and the sort. But no, I, I genuinely thought yeah, it was one of the uh, for a. It was a weird one because it's a, it's a much smaller story, isn't it? It's not like this is a famous wrestling myth kind of delved into, or you know, famous wrestling death or something like that. It's just mm. it was a biopic on a guy, wasn't it, for for an hour? But I think having yeah. I don't know something about having that smaller scope and having, like I say, less less talking heads and you know, more of like a direct narrative to to focus on. I, I, yeah, I thought it was one of the better pieces of the work. Talks out of the Ring of Dawn, and yeah, this season uh, continues to look strong, doesn't it, going forward? Mm. It is, what's the next one? It's Collision in Korea. That's right, yeah. Which yeah, I know on Graps and Claps, 
they've done the review of the show. Mm. So, like, um, I, 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 that'll be a great companion piece. I was just going to say, it's a companion piece, that one. It'll fit nicely, that. <laughs> I just want to see Andy and Jeff turn up as talking heads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, that'll fucking be- hell, Scott Norton's on fucking card, and he? <laughs> that'll be the eventual Sorry, Brit Res documentary, JP. We'll all, get a, we'll, get, we'll all get a slot on that, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They need to be on the talking heads of that. They really do. <laughs> Stick to your Big Irish accent, JP. Sorry? That's a yeah, stick, stick to your, your Irish accent. accent. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> all right. Fair yeah. enough. Northern's not your thing, JP, that's all. <laughs> um, quickly on the other documentary for, before we get to the uh, the shows we we have watched this week. I, I did watch the uh, the Shawn Michaels A&E documentary. I don't think either of you have seen that yet. Um, no. It was all right. It was kind of the, the, the story that you you kind of know uh, about Sean already. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of like bits in there that I think are notable where they, they show footage from like in backstage at NXT where he's like a school teacher with uh, with Johnny Gargano and Adam Cole and uh, Kyle O'Reilly and the other lads all sat around the table while he's, you know, critiquing the, the NXT show. And I get, you know, it's the type of thing, you know, Everton have a game, you know, the the morning after, you know, head coach is, uh, is running through, uh, you know, the game and showing them everything they did wrong. But it's still it's still weird to see. It still makes them look like fucking children. Um, but yeah, um, there's was, there was, I think it was a there was a Johnny Gargano point in there, but he said he said something like you wouldn't believe this was like the same Shawn Michaels from back in the day or maybe Triple H says it. And that is true. Like I was watching it just going, Christ, like the the apathy I've got for like, you know, for Shawn Michaels as a human at the moment, so mainly just because of like you know his, his work as an agent and his fingerprints are all over NXT UK, aren't they? And the uh, the the enforced epics we see on uh, on takeovers feel very uh, Shawn Michaels agented, and it's almost like I've got that bit of brain space for for that Shawn Michaels, the one who's blocked me on Twitter, and I've got another bit of brain space for the Shawn Michaels I loved when I was twelve, um, and he was my absolute you know hero in in nineteen ninety six, and yeah, I thought it was a it is. That part of it is actually really interesting, even going back to the, the Rockers stuff, because they have Marty Jannetty on as a talking head, and he doesn't entirely embarrass himself. Um, you know, obviously he looks like a complete piece of shit, um, but <laughs> they edit him well, um, so that like, yeah, he gives like a, a fair version of the story, and yeah, Sean's pretty, pretty open. You know, there, there are bits. There are bits of the documentary where, you know, when they get into some of the darker stuff, like in the mid-90s, where like the real drug abuse happened, and, you know, they're losing his smile stuff that they don't really touch on um or at least in interviews with sean they don't touch on and they get the other talking heads kind of to tell a story rather than sean himself but like the 80s stuff he's quite happy to tell you about he's talking about him and marty Janetti getting on the uh, yayo as he calls it not even coke yeah the, the yayo apparently sean michaels used to call it back in the day big uh, big scarface fan um yeah so they're relatively honest about that stuff and uh, yeah like i say they go through you know his issues in the 90s and like you know the, the pressure he had from being on top they had some interesting footage from when and he, uh, apparently when he put over Steve Austin at WrestleMania 12, not WrestleMania 12, WrestleMania 15, wasn't it? The, um, mm. the one we put him over, what was it, 14? I think it was 14. Um, 14. Yeah, so, yeah, they have footage from that where Triple H was saying basically Sean was so unhappy about like losing his spot and retiring that like he wouldn't even plan the match out with Steve Austin and Triple H had to go from locker room to locker room and go back and forth and, and pass the stories back and forth and then they had a um, like a media scrum afterwards with Steve Austin you know, celebrating that he won the title with Mike Tyson and Shawn Michaels is just standing at the back shouting abuse like legitimate abuse about how unhappy he is that Steve's the champion now and he does come across as a, as a right piece of shit um, at various points but I'll tell you what I preferred him when he was a piece of shit because once they get into the you know the post-Jesus comeback and you've got that 
gobshite Rosenberg oh, saying things like, "Oh, you know, he was he was even better when he came back." It's like, no, he wasn't. Um, I know people really, really think highly of those big WrestleMania matches, especially. But you know, for me, he's a, he's a different. Never mind the different wrestler; he's a different human being for that uh, second part of his career. But yeah, I definitely, definitely enjoyed the uh, the trip down memory lane that the uh, the first half provided. Sounds like he needs to rub a bank and shove a light tube up his ass or something like go. that to get you back on side, Ben. Just, uh, <laughs> you probably did in the 80s. Like, like, I mentioned Marty Gennetti. I mean, you, you don't think Gennetti's tried some of those tricks? You know, you know it's where the bodies are buried, you know? Well, I think he literally does. When you mentioned about him, like the big Scarface fans, I'm pretty sure Marty Gennetti's probably seen or been involved in someone being fucking chainsawed in a bathtub. Mm. Um, <laughs> watching on, I can imagine. Yeah, I think Ivan in the chat has pretty much got it right where it says Marty Janetti, he doesn't exactly embarrass himself a small victory. Uh, yeah. that's, that's possibly the best way. To, can to, you imagine how much? Can you imagine how much footage is on the cutting room floor, though? Like for, oh, Christ, you, yeah. you, you, you probably had one one minute of Marty Janetti not embarrassing himself, and then there's like another two hours behind it that are like, yep, can't use that, can't use that. Tell asking him. the same question again, and Marty's totally forgot that he's answered it already. He's, you know, right. asking it five times to fucking just try and get one line that sounds remotely passable. Mm. Would it surprise you if Marty Janetti wasn't wearing trousers throughout the interview? You no. Know? <laughs> I think that's well beyond the realms of possibility. Camera pulls away and he just bollock naked from there. Down. Like, See you later. He just walks off and you go, yeah, that's Marty. That's as good as we're going to get him, really. <laughs> Incriminating himself probably as well, telling all kinds of stories about mm. the, uh, the various crimes him and uh, Sean did in the 80s, I'm sure. Yeah, that did make that, to be honest, though, that was a genuine point I was going to make that, like, you know, they they... They err on the side of like, oh yeah, wasn't it funny? Everyone was on coke. Even Vince says at one point about Sean being on all kinds of pills, which is the second talking head thing I've seen Vince recently, where he's quite open about the fact he was very aware of uh, of what drugs everybody was on backstage. Um, but yeah, um, well, he's yeah. need their candy. You know the rules. Uh, that, that is yeah. literally a phrase at one point. I'm pretty sure in the documentary. Uh. But yeah, interesting that yeah they don't really. Sean works there currently, doesn't he? So they did. Don't dig too deep on some of those old rockers stories and some of those old mm. crimes that Marty Gennetti has, has uh, alluded to over the years. Whereas when it's Randy Savage, you know, um, he's dead and he can't defend mm. himself. So let's spend some time on that. So yeah, there is that clear bias there, and it is a bit weird timing coming after. It's weird right now. There's so many documents. There's that. There's A and E. There's the WWE Untold stuff they're doing on the network. And there's yeah. Dark Side of the Ring, and there's a lot of cross. I think there's two Ultimate Warrior documentaries coming up, isn't there? I think A and E. Then four days. Yeah, and is it is Dark Side of the Ring the other one? Is it A and E and Dark Side of the Ring? That's going to be Dark Side of the Ring. That's yeah. going to be a, a contrast. Cunt off. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a cut. It's a it's a good old fashioned cunt off. It's in two documentaries. <laughs> Which one is going to piss on his grave more? <laughs> like, frankly. Um, Did it? Sorry, did, either of you, did either of you go back and watch that Booker T one that I said about? I did. Last, I think last week I was yeah. I was waxing lyrical about that. I'd watched it basically up until halfway, pretty much, and then I think the second half was all the WWE stuff, and the second half of it was, was just WWE bollocks. But the first yeah. half, where it was his, his build up to the build up to that point, was great. So yeah, I'd, what I'd do is I'd. Uh, I'd pretty much turn it off the second that um, WCW gets sold, basically, because all the, all the other footage and things like that, it's just everything that you've seen a million times before, and it's just all quite cliched stuff. But yeah, first first half of that was was great. It's really good, that first half. It's properly, like, very gritty and bleak, and it's, like, not remotely wrestling-orientated. Hmm. It's that point 
where like he gets to WCW and then it's just like, and then he went singles and it was a big success. And there's no context given about where WCW is, why he got into that role. Cause it surely wasn't the way it was positioned out where Hulk Hogan went. Well, he's clearly really talented. So I'll have him wrestle for the television title on an endless loop. Like, you know, it's that, <laughs> that type of stuff where that bullshit merchant turns up again. And then if you don't know it, his, he goes to WWE. There's a point where people go, oh, we can't work. And as they said about everyone, which is, you know, talk about the pot calling the kettle black when Bradshaw is saying you can't work. <laughs> really? <laughs> I forgot about the fucking Texas Ricky Dozan there, didn't I? <laughs> clearly fucking amazing. Gobshite. <laughs> so like when it gets to like the stuff, when it talks about the Japanese shampoo commercial, they're talking about it as if it's like, yeah, this was a great angle and he had really good fun acting during it. And it was like, this is a year like after WrestleMania 17 where like it just showed the kind of f- fall off the cliff that they'd had after that invasion angle. And the kind of, it took all the King Booker at a time when they really didn't have any kind of like, they just wanted a comedy heel champion and he was as good as they were going to get for it. Hmm. Like all of that stuff like is just awful and then it will go to stuff about his his um his son his eldest son who's in his 30s who's in who's in prison now and you're thinking mm-hmm. this is the kind of stuff the really interesting insight into him that you want to hear more of in some ways if they cut the wrestling out it's a much better documentary but as soon as that comes yeah. in it's it's got that you know sort of wonderful bullshit stain all over it mm-hmm. yeah yeah, that's it. But yeah, I, th- I do think like say the the A and E ones have been really hit and miss. I think like uh, there's there's elements of truth in there, like you say, and then there's elements of bullshit. And I think that the thing that stood out to me in the Shawn Michaels one was just like it's almost like Dark Side of the Ring. You get in for all the things you can say about them. You you melt a kind of version of history, or like you you know maybe even a bit of Jim Cornette sprinkled in, but you know mainly like you melt uh, wrestling historian side of things. The A and E documentaries, who's the main talking head? It's Bruce Pritchard, isn't it? You're getting that side. You know, you're getting the, uh, rumor and innuendo side. You're getting the 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 company spin, aren't you? So I am fascinated how those two Ultimate Warrior documentaries turn out. That's going to be super fascinating to see the uh, like you say the cunt off take place um but i, I do i still enjoy the a e ones like they're they're an easy enough watch if mm-hmm. you just have to you watch them with more of a, a pinch of salt than you have to do the dark side stuff so, something i forgot to mention earlier and i did reference to it by the way for new jack for gcw they did a 10 belt salute and i don't know if i said it they played natural born killers throughout the 10 belt salute did they? at the very beginning oh, so if you get a that. chance to see that they're all doing that in the ring as natural born <laughs> killers no one's saying anything over a 10 belt salute oh, that's goodness. definitely what you would have wanted yeah, yeah that's yeah. perfect <laughs> <laughs> oh, amazing. Uh, well, yeah, m- moving on then to uh, to more uh, in-ring matters, and so we might well circle around to that one again uh, near the end. But, yeah, there is the small might- matter of uh, last week's Dynamite. We're recording late on a Tuesday, so we'll probably keep this relatively short, but... I've been waiting to talk about this one, lads, because it was. <laughs> I'm excited to hear your takes on this dynamite because it was. But my God, was it a a roller coaster of a show watching live? I felt like uh, I said at the timer, and I said it on the weekend show. I felt like I saw in part some of the best bits, probably the 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 best dynamite of the year, like in certain moments, and then the worst dynamite of the year, and others like it had multiple matches on here that I would say were either four stars or close to four stars. You know, maybe, you know, a couple of three point seven fives in there, like as good as TV matches kind of get. 
especially bookending the show at the uh, the start and the end. But like as to what was going on in the middle, um, it was a, a random as as fuck show. Um, so yeah, don't even know where to start on this one. It was like I say, it starting at the top. It started well enough, you know. I thought Yuji Nagata and and uh, and Moxley, you know, at the start of the show felt like is as big as you can boost a show off with you know showing them backstage with the split cameras was such a a cool visual and then we went straight into the match and you know moxley's uh moxley's coming out coming out there and you know coming out looking like an absolute absolute superstar um you know and just having you know the gatter there as like uh somebody who they maybe use in that AW fans might not know particularly well, but somebody who they presented, you know, well enough as a legend, you know, you contrast that with the wild thing, Moxley entrance, and then they went out there and they had, you know, not a five-star match by any means, but a banger of a little match, I thought, that, you know, I went I went four, four on grapple on it, um, I was between 3.75 and four, but, you know, it was something about the match and the way, you know, it kind of didn't outstay its welcome. It had a you know a nice, relatively clean finish, but both of them looked particularly strong in it as well. It was as good a way to kick off Dynamite as I've seen. And yeah, we can talk about I suppose what what came next in the uh, maybe mixed fortunes of this uh, episode of Dynamite Grapple. But yeah, thought that was as a, a good a way to start the show as any this last week. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was good, and it, I think one of the main things that, that you touched upon there, Benno, I thought thought was just like the presentation of it. It just it felt. It felt like they put Yuji Nagata over very well, I thought, because mm-hmm. I was quite intrigued to see how that would play out and how he'd be presented to the to, um, to the to the audience as well. I think you know the the match felt, I don't know, it felt slightly bigger deal maybe than mm-hmm. I thought it was going to feel like when I, when I was coming into into watching it. And then you're you're always you know I, I suppose you're always intrigued when you see somebody like Nagata in this environment as 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 well how they're how they are going to come across with the crowd and how their style might change and things like that and you know like you say I mean I, I haven't gone as high as you I'm, I with I, I went like three and a half but that was you know that was still a match that I, that I massively you know enjoyed to to open the show and I, I I just thought it just really you know got things got things going going really well you could you could definitely see sort of like the respect that Moxley had for in the gatter as well in the in the way that they worked within the in the ring and the, the sort of the way that they went toe-to-toe in certain areas as well and um, the, the the way that he took certain things as well I thought that that sort of respect came through which I you know I enjoyed um, seeing, seeing that and yeah again just as almost of just that that contrast of being able to turn on you know American wrestling on TV and see a match like this on an American wrestling TV show, just like really refreshing again. And definitely one of the, you know, for as much as we wax lyrical about AEW on a lot of different matters, this is the type of thing for me that's just just great. The idea that you get in, you can get like a John Moxley against Eugene Nagata on TV on a on weekly wrestling TV in America, mm-hmm. and it's just uh, it just having that different feel and different look to it as, uh, as as well. And yeah, thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed it. And yeah, I think it's one of these where you know if you think if that's the hopefully if that's the first one and we just get a few more of uh, a few more of these follow follow suit and get more of these um, US um, title defences on Dynamite because I'd I'd love to see like a bit of Kojima come over and have a match and you know just see if there's just some different people like that who are going to you know yeah. appear, uh, who are 
you know, of a certain status these days in in New Japan, but they they can come across be legends and just uh, be, be 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 seen on be seen on TV. You know, they're going to put on a good match as well. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm hoping we just get a get a nice little run of this to to come. Given that this is kind of um, I don't know, set set the line in the sand for this to start. Yeah, I echo your guys' thoughts for this. I mean, I went three and a half on this. I thought it was like a really good fun match. I thought Nagata got a lot more as well, which again comes back to the kind of level of respect that, mm. that Moxley has for him. I have to say, um, just that use of the Trog song and using this kind of real music implicate in inserting it more, mm. that stuff kind of matters. Yeah. It really does because if you put that on, there's going to be a certain audience of people going, oh, it's the Trogs. Like, and it's a, you know, it's not the... Um, at sushi, a, a neater version, but it's it, at the same time, it's 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 a great tune. It's really memorable. People are going to start singing along to it in no fucking time as well. Particularly like double or nothing. Do you think so it suits Because I heard some people saying it's a bit slow for Moxley, but I think it kind of adds to his swagger. He can get away with I, it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. slow for a wrestling game. He's got enough going for him. Yeah, yeah. It's you've got to wait for the kind of like the wild thing bits. Mm. You know. Sorry, it can't all be fucking new metal, can it? Like every <laughs> once in a while, like you can wait for a few seconds, they'll live. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe it isn't I, the fresh I, metal version. In which mm-hmm. case, record it yourselves and send it over to him. I think it's a great tune. Yeah, I agree with you. But anyway, I think it kind of like suits his swagger a bit, sort of in the yeah. you know his the way the way he strolls about. I definitely can see him kind of just like working an entrance the more he, he comes out to it and things like that. But yeah, I thought that was a, again that was a lovely little addition as well. It just um, just a nice little nice little surprise that. So yeah, great crack and start to the show. Definitely, yeah. And yeah, him coming out to that, Eddie Kingston hanging around behind him with his belt. It was like, yeah, the absolute coolest entrance and best way to start mm-hmm. a wrestling show. And believe me, I'll get to the negative oh, stuff. Oh go on JP. One really quick thing. Do you know that Ren Narita is on dark tonight? which oh, I yeah. think is, again, a kind of little interesting development because he's mm. up there against Royce Isaacs, who actually was on the New Japan Strong stuff as mm. well. And it just, it's just a little more bleeding in and mm. it's interesting. And do you know what? If Ren Narita gets some reps on Dark, great. Mm. Not an issue. Get Clark Connors on there. Mm. I think it'd be perfect for Dark, like that type of stuff. If you're able to do that, then that's kind of what that show should be. It's, it's a bit more of a kind of wider showcase. The other sign I almost missed out there, JP, and I've got, I've got to mention it. I mentioned it on Friday. Was the uh, was the uh, Rocky Romero sighting in the stands as well? You know, he mm. made sure to get him on the telly. I, I said to to JP Gareth, I, mean, I did a tweet about that about uh, him turning up on every TV show this week, and fucking Conrad Thompson picked it up, didn't he, and retweeted me six hundred <laughs> notifications later, and I could finally turn my t- my Twitter notifications <laughs> back on my phone. That man's got power. That's Conrad. Me to uh, give him a call over a, over grapple matters, but uh, yeah. And I thought that was uh, that was that was genuinely though on a serious though it's another interesting note that yeah you know they were willing to show Rocky on TV the fact that you know we're going to talk about the Impact pay view in a little while and you know you know there's all kinds of like crossover there from El Fantasmo mixing it up with all kinds of people to you know Kenny Omega getting in there with you know David Finley and and, uh, and Juice Robinson as well like the yeah the very much the uh, the walls and the doors are, are coming crashing down at the minute aren't they plenty of uh, plenty of positive signs for that relationship. It's a necessity, I think. We'll probably talk about it more on the for impact as uh, being much more of a kind of necessity for them. Mm. But I think this idea of trying to claw things back, mm. the idea of working together, mm. is like there isn't those kind of boundaries that are there. 
and people want to see it. Yeah. And I think it does, it, it, again, it could be small, very niche changes and incremental stuff, but it, it matters, especially yeah. in this kind of television market where everything is saturated. You know, you get those extra, you know, 20, 30,000 people who are interested and might pay money, then, you know, yeah, that's what you do. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And you know, we even you know little things like we'll all enjoy like you just Nugent Nagata coming out to to Blue Justice coming out to his theme on, a, on an AEW oh, yeah. show. You know, it's just cool, isn't it? Um, so yeah, I love that they're giving us a uh, lots of those uh, little moments at at the moment. And yeah, you know, we will get into the negative stuff in a minute. I'm sure we've got plenty of negative to stay, but I will say you know, the show was bookended by that and another very very good match in in Miro and Darby mm. Allen. Uh, we are grapple the uh, the star rating app, so you know, I gave out two four stars on a on a wrestling tv show this week so i feel like it deserves uh deserves the the, the merit if anything i'd be tempted to, i love that miro and darby allen batch so much that i was i'd be tempted to go even higher but i settled with a with a four for it and what a great piece of work this was as well like this was just mm. you darby allen just he just loves getting beaten up doesn't he like it's his favorite thing in the world and like it was the perfect set i know you know doing the angle last week you know when you've got a, a big bump coming up in the war games match not that that particularly mattered but we'll get to the victory lap in a minute um but you know doing that on the last show you know i, I did feel was a bit weird timing but it paid off so well with this match because just having derby from the from the moment jump selling um you've got me hook line and sinker i thought maybe they went a little bit they stretched believability a little bit with okay how long the ref is the ref gonna let this go before he actually rings the bell to start the match but if you want to talk about protecting a baby you want to in fact you want to talk about you know, what do AWC in in derby allen like they protected him in this match they gave him you know a very believable derby allen out in that yet he got launched down some steps and then he came into this match completely battered already and then even then you know he gets jumped before the bell and then even then he's still fighting back he's still making you believe on you know all of his near falls in the match he's still there was a point in the match where um he does the uh the coffin drop and miro catches him um you know when he's on the floor and gets up and you can absolutely tell darby called that on the fly because to be honest he kind of gets on the floor as a quick way with miro and it looks like he's just saying yeah catch me and then do this looks <laughs> no, he's just he's just happened to have another crazy idea so he's like fuck it i'm gonna do it and like it was full of those little little genius mm. darby allen moments that again even in a pretty definitive loss Darby Allen came out of this match losing absolutely nothing, and Miro came out of it looking like an absolute monster. For me, this was a a close to perfect TV style match, and yeah, shouldn't get lost in the conversation of, of you know matches of the week because I thought this was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that that front. It was absolutely great stuff, and and I think you know, like you say, I think I think the whole the whole setup of it as well, as well was was thick. Obviously, you know, I think. I think from that initial attack from Miro that was just like causing all that damage up front, like immediately you give him the end result, the the out. Then when it's built on what happened last week, um, then I think then when the match finally is about to start and then Derby takes off his jacket and then you see like the, the taped up injury as well. So it's kind of all, it, it's like it's led up to, to that point. And if anybody is watching and they, you know, they forgot about the stair spot last week or it wasn't emphasized sufficiently enough to them, they've seen him get battered there before the bell. And then they've then, mm. you know, then, then they've almost like got that reveal as well that, you know, this, uh, 
this almost this unbreakable Darby Allen is slightly broken going into into this one as well. So I think I, I think from that point of view, it just uh, the, the the start and the setup of it was great because you know I think there was a lot of talk prior to it was. Oh yeah, Miro's just got to go in there and batter him and just do him in you know a matter of seconds or something like that. And I think that was something they thought might happen if it was you know it was quite feasible that that could have been the could have been the case. But I think the stuff that they that they gave Derby as well, I think everything that he hit that um, caused damage was entirely logical and mm. would have caused damage mm. to even a even Miro with the size differential and the and, and, and the the way that that he'd beat him up throughout the match. I think the little things that he that he hit, which then did make impact, made absolute, you know, total sense. And and and, and, and like it's always one of those types of matches where potentially you can be taken out of it where you like feeling a bit like well, why is this guy who's twice as big as him who battered him for ten minutes suddenly like selling or hurt now to this to this smaller injured opponent? But it it didn't come across like that at all. And then I think, um, I, but I think then the way that they then finished it off with the with the finish that they did. You know, we talked last week about maybe them having some some bad finishes at certain times. I thought this was one where they, um, you know, they. They've, they've finished it off perfectly. I think that end sequence was 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 brilliant. The way that was uh, that was executed, and then um, and I think ultimately finished it the way that they did with the um, with the the game over accolade. Um, mm. um, the, the way that was put on, and then the way it was finished at that point was was excellent too. And yeah, yeah great stuff. I think it was just a per, an example of just you know perfect wrestling storytelling for 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 me. Lovely, lovely stuff. I'd go along with all of what you guys said uh, mm. pretty much for this. Um, I, I had expected a kind of dominant crushing and it wasn't, but it was just the way that they, the spots that Derby get, like I was thinking of that mental dive he did to the outside onto him. Oh, the way that they used the, use the ring post and then being able to capitalise on that stuff as well. I could have done without the Scorpio Sky, Ethan Page stuff because it, I don't know. Like, did it need any of that mm. of them sort of rushing out and like an attacking sting? And it's like I know that's the setup for the next thing, but I, I kind of didn't really think of that. But it's also like the culmination of a series of big TV main events that Derby's Hallen, at Derby Allen's had over the last month, which have probably drawn what an average of a million. Mm-hmm. like to 1.1 million yeah. across the board, and we speak about the numbers on the weekend show, and you know. They're not lying. He's drawing a bigger demo mm. than the others, and that's what the advertisers are NXT saying. a lot of the time. Like, on his own, Darby yeah. Allen segments have double the number of, like, 1849 viewers. There's, like, and, a lot of NXT. And we're not the target audience, but you can definitely see why this is why this would connect, why people mm. would be engaged with this. I mean, he's, a, he's an engaging presence. And when he has this kind of match, because there is, is there anyone better at kind of basically being killed no. in the ring? Like it's kind of almost Mikey Whipresque-esque, if that if that's a phrase you can use. You no, know, but like, he's amazing at it. 
like the post match was shite, but you know Ethan Ethan Allen. I was going to yeah. say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ethan Page <laughs> is desperate to yeah, get him and Luke Jacobs turn up <laughs> main event. Hey, I'd take I it. I didn't see it coming. <laughs> yeah. No, Ethan Page is desperate to get it back in there with Darby because Darby is everyone's best opponent because he's 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 you know when he used to wrestle in the back garden, he's like your little brother or your mate who's willing to take like you know all of the bumps. Like he's 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 that kid you know who's willing to get bent yeah. in half. You know, it's that's just what he what he does, and you know everyone. He gets and then as the time is like even Sting on the outside you can tell he's having a great time just watching him and being a part of like Darby's crazy creative process apparently there's a story this week wasn't it where the, the um they were recording some pro- it might have been the promo before this match which was great by the way when Darby was uh was selling a uh, oh. you know, selling the match and having a go at Miro and yeah. stuff like he's so good at those little like arty promo pieces but apparently there was one where uh, yeah, him and Sting were on like some street corner of four in the morning and the police turned up and they had to explain what they were doing it's like I'd imagine being like Steve Borden <laughs> you're in your like 50s or I think it's early 60s at this point isn't it and I was to explain in while you're on a street corner with this skate kid filming these weird in face paint both of you in face paint <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. I'm surprised they weren't. I'm surprised they're on the weren't outside M and S. Wow, sunny, sunny Banbury M and S. I did love that spot in the match though, where where Derby was absolutely fucked, and then he like turned to Sting, and they just had the the small the small words between them, and there was the little fist bump, and then that you know fueled Derby's fueled Derby's comeback a little bit there. That's why you like him, Gareth. That's why you like Sting. You every every Sunday morning, that's Sting. He is. It's like me on the touchline shouting press to Alex. Yeah, I've got a lovely, lovely father son button there. But uh, yeah, I thought, I thought genuinely, like as far as like a beginning and an end of a dynamite, couldn't have been any better. Stuff that came in the middle of lads. Fuck me! What a what a mixed bag of a dynamite here. I mean, what do we mm. what do we have a go at first? Is it is it Cody? Is it Jericho? Is it timekeeping or whoever's job it is to skip from segment to segment? Um, I don't know. Who's who's our number one villain of the week? Oh, I mean, I'm going to be slightly different because I know the temptation is to say Cody, but that rip off of the Austin angle, oh. like that felt so fucking lazy. So lazy. Monday Night Raw. And you could see Jericho there behind. You could see him ducking down from time to time. That happened with Cody the other week as well, didn't it? Speaking of production gaffes when he was on the bus, you could see him through the bus window. Yeah, come on, lads. (laughs) Fucking. Just lazy and pointless. And again, just added to the idea of like all of the stuff we had said about blood and guts and the end of that match and how it wasn't being taken serious. Well, we. We had that as a follow-up, and that's leading to stadiums. The week after. Um, stadiums, yep, week after. So there's no selling of the injury. Jericho hurt his elbow. It's like, you tell Dave that. That's great. But, like, this all still reeks of bullshit. Um, and then, on yeah, on top of that, you get this a week later, and it's going to be followed up with um, Stadium Stampede, which is a comedy match. Yeah. And I, yeah, shit. Like they like that kind of stuff is lazy, they're like gonna, really lazy writing. They're allegedly going to try and make it a serious match, but like, I I don't one I don't trust them. Jericho's gonna there's gonna no. they'll get some jokes in there, and two like after the war games for real, like. But yeah, it felt like a it felt like a, a victory lap for our our podcast last week because like. 
yeah, you know, you can say, oh yeah, like you said Jericho had his arm in, in a cast, you know, so he's still selling it, but there's physically selling it and then there's selling the angle, you know, take Jericho off TV for a fucking, for a week, you know, at least, like, sell it, sell it, like, this was important, what happened, and instead we, we got this, and like you say, the most WWE angle possible, to do it as well just to like I say the fucking the bubbly joke ran out of steam a year ago you know never mind doing it now to rip off the the beer truck and yeah you you can't you can't sell me on a on a on a stadium stampede at this point between these lot it makes no sense to me like this pay-per-view is dying for a big singles match like if you have to do it if you have to make Jericho wrestle again Jericho MJF's the match just do a fucking straight up blood blood fight between them two like first blood or you know some other kind of stipulation match like that's that's the avenue to go but yeah you know for all of the people who were you know about last week so it was fine you know yeah you need a big moment like that you need a big bump oh it, it got over mjf as this big baddie it's like did it when chris jericho turned up next week did it when the end direction is again that allegedly a non-comedy stadium stampede but again i don't know you do that match without comedy but a stadium it's stampede to follow war games like what a way to set to sell your your big stip match that you built all this time for in, in blood and guts like it's not even like the the destination or the or the big match of this feud apparently you know stadium stampede is bigger i just thought yeah it was an own goal in in every aspect yeah, to, totally agree. And it just came across just lame and second rate in the, in, in the way that it was done as, as as well. Like even like the whole, obviously what you're talking about there, it's just been a, you know, rip off obviously of stuff WWE's done on more than one occasion over the, over, over the years as, as well with that. Giggling so it was just something, well. it, yeah, it just, it just felt yeah. just like uh, this. And it, I was just watching it like this, this isn't funny. This isn't mm-hmm. like, there's nothing good about this. This just comes across as, as just totally lame. And even right down to that, the weird fucking little car thing that they were driving <laughs> that like the, that came up in it. I was thinking, what, this just looks shit <laughs> sort of in the, in the, before they even even got to those uh, latter, latter stages as well. I, like, I, I totally agree with you. I, I was wanting them to have kind of come back from the negative criticism that they got last week and, you know, really bounce, you know, got their heads back together on something good to, to, to bounce back with. But to me, it just felt like uh, actually you've, you've, you've pushed this even further backwards in my mind here than it, than it, than it was initially. I'm, I'm, I'm more disengaged than I was with this seven days ago. Yeah. It was a TNA angle. Mm. It was exactly what TNA would have done. Oh, we're going to rip off Raw and we're going to add this and we think it'll be funny because we've got this joke around champagne. That's that's exactly how it, it came across. It was just so it's... forced and lazy. And you mentioned about big matches. My God, MJF Sammy Guevara, if you wanted to sell Jericho being off for a bit, mm. I think that in and of itself, I think you could get some good heat with that and actually have a good match. I know it's not a big, big match, but I think that would make sense. I'd love to see Proud and Powerful versus FTR. Like I would be really up for that. In fact, I want that to be where the tag titles are. Really, I was like, that was you know, one of the things I took away from Blood and Guts at the start of it. But yeah, talk about cooling down a fucking storyline. Jesus, over two weeks, not even that actually, a week. 
honestly. And all to build up to the big stipulation that the losers got to break up. Sorry, did you not on this exact same show just do that with SCU? Like, come on, lads. Like, basic storytelling. Like, you don't have to do the, the same oh, shit twice all the time. Them. Like, they're not. Well, apparently they're not. That was the other story that came out last week. Rovert was doing it. He's, uh, he's been talking about that one for a while. Uh, Cody and uh, Kenny and, and whoever not getting on backstage. But yeah, it, it is. Yeah, it's just. That, that these are the moments where it's like you know we always say growing up in the room why is Tony Khan not putting his foot down you know he hates this shit he hates to, like you know the type of fan he is and every interview you hear with him I can't imagine he'd be a fan of Stone Cold Chris Jericho you know or uh, you know any of this stuff really um, yeah just really really odd another odd move for a pay-per-view that again crying out for a big singles match instead we get this like you said you know you could fill that card with other inner circle um, versus pinnacle matches that would make make the card far more appealing and yeah instead we're going back to this it's just it begs belief for me um, and yeah I mean wasn't the only negative on this show because I don't know if this one's a negative or not but the Cody angle the Cody promo it was it, it was bad I kind of like there's something about Cody that even when stuff's bad I kind of enjoy it um, I don't know what that says about me but it's just, I just I, I enjoy his um, you know Brandy on on Twitter going on about how like you know it was such a such an emotional wonderful promo and Cody's like retweeting people like it's the best promo of all time and like really it was just it was more you know ADD Cody wasn't he getting, it, getting in the ring and he just going off on one about I mean I don't know if you guys really could make head or tail of it apparently you know America versus the UK and he's having a black baby and you know that's going to bring racial justice around the world and then something something American dream it was so bizarre and it was just like why are we doing this this is this is promo one in like a, a feud that started like a week ago and we've already you know hit like you know, post nine eleven jingoism, like as far as like the feud goes, it, just, it makes no sense. Like, why? Why is he not still feuding with Penta? Like, remember that? That was a nice little feud they had going three or four weeks yeah. ago. That it's just been forgotten about now. Like, what, we've what? moved past QT Marshall at this point. That's gone too. Yeah. What was he? Doing? Have they managed to clean that paint off the wall in the, in the nightmare <laughs> factory? I'm wondering as well. At the same he's still time. got some on his neck, mate. Um, I don't, well, I go, go, might take care of that though for us. At least, at least he's a shining star in this weird feud. The theory goes that he wants to trademark the American dream, so he has to kind of show it being used in action. Is that right? Does so that's he? why he included the phrase American dream, which is kind of why they've gone this rather than him possibly saying, like my dad, the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, you too want the American dream, Anthony, but you're going to have to go through me first. And then you can leave out this bizarro world US UK feud, which then if you see the Agogo promo today, where he quite legitimately brings up like lack of healthcare for millions of people. He doesn't bring up the Republican repeals of it, but that's it's asking a lot of him to do that. <laughs> but then also at the same time, like, you know, he's, he's bringing up kids in cages. It's like mm. being rather critical here of a couple of administrations. It's like, I'm not booing you. Like, you're fucking spot on, mate. P.S. break his ribs. Why not? <laughs> I mean, like, it, I, 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 overall, in all seriousness, like, it's, it's just very, it was very weird. It was very rambling. It, I mean, I can't say it was necessarily boring per se, because I was like, what the fuck is he on about? Like, you're kind of watching it and you're, you know, slightly car crashy for this. But it was so 
uncoordinated. He felt like he was filibustering for time and he'd just gone out and said some shit, mm. which is very much a Russo-style deal, isn't it? To give someone a mic and go out there and tell them to stay stuff. It's like, no, you're meant to be running a, a well-oiled machine here. Why isn't this sticking to the Nightmare family? Sorry, the Nightmare family versus the factory and all of that kind of stuff. It was an angle that you kind of see. You'd done this great angle a while back. Yeah which completely took a load of us by surprise. And again, at the same time, it should be saying about like Anthony Agogo's waited all this time. I mean, like this very, it's such a simple storyline you can do. And instead it's taken it down a route that no one is interested in. I mean, and do you know what? They probably will get end up getting USA, USA chance or something like that, which is just the overall intention of all of this. So mm. it's just like, hmm. Right. I, I, it was it was one of them where like I, I think I'd seen I think I'd seen this is one where I did get some like spoilers and things like that for Dynamite. I'd seen some of your comments on it, Benno, and things uh, from like watching it live. And then so when I did actually watch it, I think for, in my mind I was expecting it to be the worst pro out like ever or something like that. <laughs> my expectations of it were so low, and I was bracing myself for what's this promo going to be like, kind of thing when it when he came out and he did it, and then. And then it didn't fall into that camp for me. I think it was like a middling promo. It wasn't something that I thought was like outrageously bad. It certainly wasn't anything that was like really, really good. I think it lacked that, like you say, JP, that element of structure or that, um, I don't know, it could have done with a bit of like thematic flow throughout what he was saying a bit more rather than it feeling a bit scattergun and just randomly just coming out with specific statements there. But for me, the idea that Agogo had attacked him last week put a British flag over him, you know, that that was sufficient enough, I think, for him to bleed into certain elements of it in a certain way. If you're looking at this being a wrestling angle, you know, God, if um, yeah. if Colonel Mustafi or General Adnan had uh, put the uh, <laughs> Iraqi flag over Hulk Hogan or something like that, he might have come out the next week and uh, cut a similar <laughs> promo and just because the flag was different, um, you know, let's, uh, you know, let's change. I'm sure the, uh, I'm sure the I Americans... I that angle in 91. Sorry if they've done that. <laughs> all over that. I'm sure the I'm sure the Americans were eating this up, um, eating this Cody promo up, and have a different viewpoint to on it on it than than, than we do. But yeah, I'm not going to stretch and say that it was a it was good by any means. But yeah, with that follow up um, promo from Anthony Gogo, like good. he's just he's just feeling like a. This is going to be like Bret Hart uh, switching between Canada and America. This, like, if if AW run the show in the in the UK over here, where he's having to go at Americans for just been fucking stupid and no health care and etc etc i want him to kick off about guns next time i'll fucking get him going (laughs) it's going to be over like fuck when he comes out with craven cottage or wherever the uh, (laughs) wherever this uh shows on so it can be like massive baby face in the uk and uh cody is the heel and then uh flip flip it over there and uh, do do the other side of things and in america i think i think ultimately though when i just like step back from it like obviously there's the illogical nature of Cody's run where he's like flipping and flopping between these little flip flopping and flying between these little feuds. Um, that he's had, um, uh, of, of, of late the, obviously the, the QT Marshall thing. But when I, when I take a step back, it is great 
publicity. It's a great position for for Anthony Gogo. It's it's given it's him mixing it with a somebody who's massively over in in AEW, obviously um, from the off. So I think as like an, a starting platform for him, who clearly is going to have more in his locker than QT Marshall. You know, certainly when it comes from a character point of view, from a Mike Skills point of view, what he's demonstrated already, I'm guessing from a ring work point of view, when um, given that he's a, um, you know, he's a natural athlete at the at, at the end of the end of the day, and they wouldn't, they, I'm assuming that they've got confidence in what he can do in the ring as well, because they wouldn't be throwing rushing him into this this position, I don't think as well. So, on that basis, it feels like you're giving this guy the best you know, opportunity to have an early star making rub, which, you know, let's hope he let's hope he takes it. But yeah, it was a, it was far from being the worst worst promo in history as a, for from my perspective. Fair enough. Um I was gonna say like he he's kind of Cody's got this I don't know, this power to he's gonna even when he go even when he goes wrong and even when these feuds kind of take me by surprise or I question what he's gonna do it's a bit like the you know in that in that month period where like he was feuding with Sting then he was feuding with Shaq then he was then he was <laughs> then he, actually it flows into this one then he was feuding with QT Marshall now, he, now he's feuding with Anthony Gogo it's like he never stops in place for any one second but you know that Shaq match I have plenty of questions about and it delivered what a great what a great like memorable dynamite match it was I think I would be a fool to bet against something entertaining coming of this this Anthony Agogo stuff still feels a bit odd like I I still think like I'll be honest even the Americans that I know and follow aren't exactly cheering for for Cody over this and it feels like even even people who hate the UK are, are seeing um Anthony Agogo very much as the uh, the baby face here with his politically charged language that he's using in there but you know maybe maybe they can make it work uh, I know Paul Cody's not going to change his, his plan though he's not going to go any different way like i've seen him you know on twitter this week getting pelters about where he's he's someone did some of the tweets of something like oh yeah cody had tears in my eyes watching that promo and he's like oh thanks me too and then he's like yeah <laughs> tears from laughing <laughs> like, he just gets owns oh. on the internet and, yeah. he walked into that didn't he, he? He's unapologetically <laughs> Cody Rhodes, isn't he? Like ego and all, and these are the the positives and benefits you get about giving these wrestlers power. I think you know they they have the power to, to for things to win, and they have the power power to to fail as well. Um, but fuck, <laughs> yeah, I don't think he's got much self awareness as uh, as poor Cody, but hey, he manages to pull it off. Um, but yeah, I mean, elsewhere on the show, then I suppose the other memorable thing was the uh, again, it was a very very busy show. Uh, you know, the Young Bucks uh, and SEU um, again thought it was a, a very good match. Went three point seven five on this too. Wasn't loving it early on. You know, the uh, it was a little bit cutesy for my for my. Uh, taste and while I, I get a bit of a laugh out of people thinking the other sorry I love you spot is some kind of sacred cow in wrestling um, you know I did think the spot, was, the spot was maybe a little bit too cute but I think what really dragged me into this and really got me going it was the it was the hard way but you know blood uh, blood and blood and guts in wrestling everybody it works um, and I thought yeah Christopher Daniels and it appears you know slipping on that air going for the best moonsault ever which it does actually appear was a shoot i thought what a great even if that was a pl- if that was a planned spot i would have thought it was a genius spot you know in this potential last match ever you know he, he makes a mistake and he and he slips because he's got blood in his eye or whatever because he's selling i thought 
you know, he was superhuman in his performance in this match and it turned the match that, mm. you know, could have been, you know, maybe a 3.25, three and a half star match to, to something a bit higher for me. Um, share the same criticism everyone else shared about the fact that they, they didn't let it breathe afterwards and, you know, that, uh, that yep. Russo style, you know, crash TV to the back, um, TNA style thing of, uh, yeah, we've got to move on to the next thing. I think this was one of the most glaring examples of uh, of that going wrong in AEW, but I did think there was a, a lot of good uh, in that match, mostly uh, surrounding Christopher Daniels. Yeah, I'd completely go along with that. I think there was loads of really, really fun stuff in it. And like you say, it was just those, those kind of felt myself like kind of biting on stuff and I knew the result already, but I always think mm-hmm. like I found myself biting on, on falls and near falls. And, and that was, it was, it was a lot better than what I thought it would be. And I think there's been one of the things where we've seen Christopher Daniels recently. I think of the other slip he had where he really could have hurt himself a lot more when he tried to do the, the uh, what was he tried to jump onto the top rope and bounce off it. And he sort of landed on his head on the ramp. Mm. And for me, it feels like, like, and I think we said this on the weekend show. I like, I like the idea of like Daniels leading up to a last match because I think he is someone who deserves to go out on a really good stage and maybe say, do you know what? Like, this is this is the time. I, I've often thought, and even in in Impact, but like even in Ring of Honor, I always thought you can do a good one last storyline run with Christopher Daniels. He's good enough to be able to tell that particular story mm. of just like the kind of raging against the dying of the light. He's got a good job in AEW. I mean, his roles go well beyond. I mean, he's pretty high up when you think of it, like in terms of the talent relations stuff, because he's one of the original kind of people around AEW as well. And is, and he was like, you know, the big indie star, wasn't he? Of the early, of the early 2000s. Like there was him and... God, like very few others. Who was he in the the first ring of honor? Him, Loki, and Doug Williams. Is that right? Is that the no Brian Danielson? Brian Danielson, mm. uh, but like you know, in that kind of range of people. So I, I I'd like to see it do that and have Frankie Kazarian teaming with a younger guy. Mm. Just so I think that would be kind of a nice continuation. I think that's where you use Frankie Kazarian. Who do you know what? I really enjoyed seeing Frankie Kazarian on TV. Really enjoyed seeing him. Like I enjoyed the match with with Christian Cage more than what I thought I would do. He's someone I've all will always have a soft spot because of because of of impact and because of TNA, I should say. And I think again, like, you know, more than lives up to his end of the bargain, like really just good, smooth guy in the ring. So yeah, I enjoy this a lot, man. I'm partial to a young bucks match. And the criticisms about it not letting it breathe afterwards, notwithstanding, because that's all completely valid and legitimate. Mm. Any thoughts on that? Or yeah. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I mean, this was my favourite match on the show. I went four stars on on, on, on this one. And as, and as much as I enjoyed the, the Darby Alamiro stuff, I'd, I'd this was just a touch ahead, touch ahead of it for me. And I think that there was those different components to it that made me think that. So, you know, I think just that element of the the storytelling that went into it that we talked about last week of building this, they're going to have to split up angle. I like the way that that, that has been done over the last few weeks and months. I think it added an extra layer of stakes to this match as uh, as well. And like JP, I was still biting on stuff where even, even though I knew you know, I, I, I was watching this one spoiled. Um, you know, 
you are still biting it, things still came across, you know, realistic. And then, like you say, the hard way blood, it just added that extra layer of sympathy on Daniels as well at certain points as well, which I think I think really, you know, really worked too. I thought the books were great in this. I think with every single week, they're just turning up the dial on and they're getting more and more arrogant, more and more obnoxious with every given week. So you're you're able to genuinely hate them, dislike them, as you should be doing so with them at, the, at, at this stage as well. I think their in-ring style is changed. Well, there's obviously still plenty of greatest hits in there and stuff. Their in-ring style's changed, I think, sufficiently to what we've seen in the early days of AEW. That that's coming across a bit different there as well. So, yeah, I loved that. Um, you, you know, loved these as a pair, and obviously they, they know each other so well, these four, that you kind of always had that confidence that they were going to go go out and, uh, and have this match. But I think um, everything right down to the finish, um, you, you, you know, I loved the... And I love the way that ultimately went out. Just like you say, I think not letting this breathe, and I think likewise they they failed again in the in in, in the main event as well. I feel like they didn't let that breathe enough before that attack came in at the end, and I sort of feel like Miro's moment got a bit lost and a bit clouded in something else. Same with with with. with um, the end result of this and and, and SU having to, to to split up as well. I, th- I think those were two kind of major failings on this show, and those were two things that probably pissed me off more than the Cody Rhodes promo on this show was the way that those two things were presented after those really really good matches that just sort of took the took took the shine off them um, for um, for a, for a little bit there. But yeah, really you know really really enjoyed this one. Enjoyed Don Callis on commentary as well. I loved it when he sprayed when um, when uh, Matt sprayed the uh, cold spray in Daniel's eyes, and Callis was was like, "He's just trying to stop the bleeding." Um, <laughs> and I was just like, "I loved that." It was just great heel like commentary, justifying the action of the of the heel as well, just to, yeah. just to call it call it one liner. And I, I think the the more that he's now this pairing with him and the books is growing as well. I think there's just elements of that that are starting to work a little bit more as, uh, as well for me there. So this, this was a definite, uh, definite win. This one. Yeah. I think, I think they'll be better off for having him in their corner. I think, although he does it too, I think the books biggest failing, I think is heel sometimes is, I don't think, I don't always think they're there to make me hate them they're there to make me laugh. Um, and I know Carlos, obviously that, that one included, has his funny moments, but I think his his timing um, and he, just him is like yeah that you know that the uh, straw that stirs the drink, all of that stuff. The the character that he is as being like the the, the bad guy in the uh, in the books he is. I think that will that will pay off long term as a story, and I think that is his job trajectory because I believe he's uh, <laughs> he's managed to weasel. He, I think he's not he's not listed as an executive, is he on the uh, the Impact site anymore? JP, he's managed to. Uh, <laughs> I think mm. he's weaseling his way into a, a full time AEW contract here. Like it's uh, <laughs> makes me ask uh, some more questions about uh, maybe they weren't happy about uh, you know AEW kind of running rough shots over Impact these last couple of months but it got big done a job so you know who cares uh, yeah you'll be happy um but yeah i, th- I thought that was a, a notable part of the show and obviously we should mention as well yeah the other um i suppose low moment but it wasn't really uh, aew's fault i would say it was more just yeah things went wrong um orange mm. cassidy and pack um you know again talk about a stack show you know that was in the middle of the card here and that could have easily made events of the dynamite but obviously went wrong with the orange cassidy in- injury they called an audible um and went to you know there you go again they're don carlos thinking on his feet and kenny omega out there for the uh for the uh, attack of pack and they use it to to get towards a three-way i've got 
got less problems with that. I think, yeah, you, you call an audible, you want to get to an end destination, you think on your feet. We talked about it before with AW, haven't we? Yeah, sometimes, yeah, you think on your feet and sometimes it doesn't. It's not always, you know, the the ideal. You know, they could have thought on the feet, feet better over, you know, the finish to the uh, the exploding ring match. But, you know, when you're there in the moment, you know, I'm sure, you know, it's it's very hard to uh, to come up with something. I think they came up with, even if it felt very WWE, um, and if they'd booked it, I'd probably be more critical. You know, they came up with a, a creative-ish way of getting to the three-way. But I think my bigger problem is, why are we doing a three-way? I just, I don't see the value in it. Um, it goes to the conversation we had last week about, you know, you know, you got four pay-per-views a year year lads do we do we really need another b kenny omega title defense i think it would have been a b match if it was kenny versus you know orange cassidy as a singles anyway but i don't know something about it about it being a three-way and feeling very thrown together is is just a bit odd to me it stands it it just stands out a bit to me it makes me wonder you know did they have something else planned you know was was christian the direction as we talked about you know when that angle happened we were at least i was you know quite strong in the in arguing people on no they must be they must be building to a Kenny Christian match because why would you do the angle otherwise um you know when maybe they changed direction from that maybe they expected a debut or something but yeah it just seems a bit odd really for you know one of your one mm. of your only four pay-per-views a year and instead of Kenny in a big singles match you know he's got Andrade on that on Triple Mania that's far more interesting to me than, than yes this. um yeah the three ways my issue I suppose more than the way they got to it yeah I'd go along with that um, it, it's not something to be necessarily excited about. I can argue the, the kind of pros of it where you're not burning out a match where you're probably going to do a good pay-per-view buy rate because we're still coming at the end of COVID. Plus, at the same time, you're going to have a 5,000 or so people there anyway for the show. So you're going to have all of the, the kind of... And, and they're going to be wanting to just kind of cheer anything. And I think there's the importance of, of having... I know it sounds slightly ridiculous... Orange Cassidy coming out to the Pixies and stuff like that in a kind of a big title match and all the rest of it. You can imagine that being like kind of part of the logic for it. It doesn't make me excited for it. I don't know if Kenny Omega Christian would have necessarily brought me excited. I certainly would have been more intrigued by it, Mm. I suppose, now thinking of it. And in some ways, even as down on it as we would have been, it's like, well, if you're doing a title match where you're expecting Kenny Omega to win, but you're offering something different, him and Christian has that. But then I know this may sound a bit silly. One of the things that's been spoken about of the place they wanted to expand to is Canada. And it may sound crazy. Do you want to leave a match like that for when you're in Canada? Do you want to win now? Is it is it you know, do we need to talk about leaving and saving stuff yeah. when you've only got four pay-per-view? I don't know. I don't know if I buy that, then, to be honest. Also, as well, we're not in the And I don't even think the match is a big match, you know. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, you know my your thoughts, thoughts on, on it. Yeah. yeah, very, very, very well on this one. I, I, I would agree with that because I don't think it's not like WWE where you'll do that match and then you need to run through it. You can always go back to this stuff, mm. and you can always go back to it as well. But yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't scream world title match. Three ways never scream world title matches to me at the best of times. Mm. even WrestleMania 20 I was annoyed about that being a three way like everybody else because yeah. obviously it's a WWE trope with. yeah it's a trope mm. and it's it's not a good trope mm. it's not one that you know you feel positive about triple threats are fine as an opener as we'll talk about when you're talking about um, WrestleMania Backlash and your world title match for your main event I don't know but is this going to be the main event or is it going to be Spring Stampede 
this can't be the main event. There's there's no way nah. this can go this can go and last. Like this just feels to me. This feels to me like a TNT title match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, in fact, you know what this feels like? This feels like an Impact World Title match. So maybe you should only be putting the Impact belt on the line, not the AW belt on the line here, because it certainly doesn't feel like AW World Title level in terms of uh, in terms of matchup. Obviously, that's 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 not happening. But yeah, just for 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 one of the four pay per views of the year, for this to be the the, the AW World Title match. Again, this just feels like a, a, a another misstep mm. to me. Um, mm. You know, I'd, I'd have taken Kenny versus either of these in a singles, even though I wasn't particularly excited about Kenny against either of these in a singles as a world title match at this stage of the game. I'd, I'd, I'd have taken a singles against either one of these over over a triple threat any any day of the week. Mm. That's it. Or you know, they've had time to build someone. You know, if it wasn't going to be Hangman Page, you know, Brian Cage maybe, or you know, someone, even 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 Cassidy or Pac, really, like they haven't really built them as like Kenny opponent. I feel like the eye's been off the ball with Kenny this last month or so. You know, it's it's he's felt very secondary, and I know he's been off doing Impact stuff and off doing AAA and the like, but you know, it doesn't really leave an excuse to just leave him kind of twiddling his thumbs in AW this last month or so. It's just. Yeah, I mean, I mean natu- nat- naturally for me, it would have felt like, again, you wonder what if champ plans changed and things like that as a result. But naturally, this should, this should have been Kenny versus Eddie Kingston for me. Yeah. Would have been the, this should have been the match on the back of um, what you, you know what happened with that that main event um, with the the fireworks at the end of it. Um, you know, this mm-hmm. that feels like it should have been the path, but it's almost like they've now pivoted and it's going towards the tag titles and uh, again that that doesn't necessarily feel um i don't know like the ma- most natural route at this stage of the game for that for, for that to be the the case either really so yeah it all just feels a bit a, a bit a bit dis- mm. disjointed and a bit up in the air really from from that point of view definitely definitely yeah just a say a couple of weeks out from this pay-per-view and just a weird place for for aw right now like i say they had the the highest highs on that show and the uh, some of the the lowest lows as well you know uh, chris jericho i'm looking at you but yeah i mean any other thoughts on on aw before we uh saying that we've, we've buried a few aw things there we've got some other things to bury in a minute but uh <laughs> anything else you want to uh, say about aw the, the the only the only thing other thing that stands out for me which was could easily have been my highlight of the show was Hangman cutting his promo and uh, challenging Brian Cage and challenging him to the match with uh, none of the uh, outside interference for the other members of Team Taz and him saying that um, <laughs> saying that for you Brian Cage it's it's double or nothing and then John Silver doing the whole wait a minute that's the name of the pay-per-view did, did you do that on purpose Adam and like that for just like you're just classic great John Silver comedy he was like oh that was so smart oh my god like I was absolutely I was I was laughing about I rewind and just I rewound and watched John Silver doing that bit so many times I was pissing myself what a guy there you go maybe he was due for Good that world title match with Kenny um, if it wasn't for that injury Need, need more, uh, yeah, I think oh, that could work. Need he'd be a good BT for you defense, genuinely. Need more John Silver and Dynamite. I've been, uh, I've not been really been oh, yeah. up with my uh, my BTE, so yeah, I've, he's been uh, missing a little bit in uh, in my life lately. Oh. <laughs> um, but yeah, again, positives, negatives. 
at least it was interesting tell you what that's uh, yep. always uh, always interesting to chat about but i suppose before we get to the zombie shit show it is related Do you want to quickly talk about this mp pack t- uh pay-per-view jp um get it out the way kenny, yeah. kenny was on it didn't do much it felt like a that felt like a new japan b show six fan if anything and that was that my big uh, oh yeah selling point for that for that impact show but there were other uh other stronger things on this show i thought Definitely. I mean, the thing I'd go to, first of all, the strongest stuff, Josh Alexander versus El Fantasma oh, for the Exhibition Championship. I love that so much. <laughs> I went 4.25 on Grapple on my mud. <laughs> I know. I went four and I thought, oh, am I being cowardly here? Mm. This was better than that. Oh, I, yeah, I did give a this... four. I am a coward. There you go, JP. I'm a coward. Oh, <laughs> uh, like, this is, I'm trying to think of better impact matches mm. that we've seen than this one and it's been a while and we've been watching a fair amount of these kind of big shows now at this point i thought this was tremendous i know for the first half it was elp sort of the cheating heel shtick josh alexander is really good he is like as a singles i didn't know if this would work but i think they've really found something with him i think they've really found this kind of good grounded wrestler who is good in there against the kind of the the flippy guys. He is perfect for it. Um, I thought there were some really great counters. I thought the pair of them just blended really well together. Mm. Um, and when Alexander got on offense, I just found that it just sort of went up another gear. Um, I was shocked that ELP tapped. Mm. I was really surprised. I actually thought, Another belt. fuck me, we're going to end up in a situation, <laughs> yeah, where all of the men's belts are yeah. on from people from other companies. I think that's the only reason it didn't happen. <laughs> they realised they were yeah, like, oh, shit. probably is. That's why Don lost his job as a VP. <laughs> He's yeah. like, oh yeah, we can't Close. give them all away. <laughs> Although ELP as Impact X Division Champion isn't bad in and of itself. It's just that he works for New Japan. That's where your problem <laughs> he- kind of lies fundamentally. Yeah, and you can tell every bit of it because he, he like, how much of a, more of a star did he come across than most of that Impact roster? Like he looked like, yeah, he was a seasoned pro who does New Japan. He's a far cry from the wrestler we saw in, you know, in Rev Pro in the cockpit and the like. You know, especially early like in his run. Oh, he was. We were like, my God, he's a budget Angelico. Yeah. Totally. What a phrase that is. I know, <laughs> I know. But like he, even down to like his entrance, he's a little Anhelico, isn't he? Like we're dancing to his music and stuff, but he's so much better at it than Anhelico. Like if I was Anhelico, I'd just retire. Like you're never gonna be as good yeah, as LP. Yeah. Sorry, mate, you got no chance. <laughs> yeah, that goes that's a that's an ever true uh, statement, as an evergreen statement. <laughs> yeah. Um but no, I, I was with you, JP. I absolutely love this match and cheer every praise you've got about Josh Alexander for it as well. As much as I love El Fantasmo, and he is such a great dirtbag heel um people get wound up about his undertaker walking spot and yes the one on impact last week was a little bit silly especially with uh like, like we talked yeah. about with um ace austin, ace austin climbing himself onto his shoulders to take a tv day like i can't help but just laugh at those spots though um maybe maybe he, he rate he goes a little bit too far into that stuff sometimes lp but when he's on he's on and josh alexander like you said he's you know what he is he's dean malenko in the cruiserweight division like he's that mm-hmm. people are quick to make the kurt angle comparisons but like that's what he is he's the guy that the technical guy will stretch people who works unbelievably with the flyers like he just seems to have chemistry with anyone he's in there with and if yeah. anything you get a better high flyer match because he's in there to ground it um and yet he's someone who his name i've heard about for fucking 15 years or so and not really ever really mm. you know 
been fussed on even when he was uh, teaming with uh, with Ethan Page and Alan uh, on Impact. Like even then, as a team, they were getting lots of plaudits, but I didn't really see it. Like these last couple of shows where I've seen them as you know mixing it up in this X division, it's just the perfect role for him. And yeah, I absolutely love this match. Like it was a, it was an easy four on grapple, and I could have gone higher. Yeah, and uh, I, 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 honestly, to God, I, I thought famous like you give him a good X division title run here, mm. and then you maneuver him into the world title picture. Because mm. he's your guy, mm. and this should be where he goes out. He has the match of the night mm. on all of these big shows, and then you go, "I want to see this guy wrestling at a higher level." That's what sensible booking. Then you remember the company that's involved and what is Huge in fun. their DNA. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, both of them at the minute, aren't that's they? All right, like, <laughs> I'll trust them. <laughs> re- relatively, but I mean, there's stuff on here when you look at like Black Taurus and what he's getting. That's up to. true. You're like, what the fuck is going <laughs> Black on Taurus here? Jumping to uh, Brian Myers, yeah, that's too fair. Actually, impact's going to impact in it. <laughs> it is. It is. You know, W. Morrissey being shit. So we've moved on to the other stuff, like the other stuff in there that's as right. well. My God, him and Willie Mac. Oh, sorry. It was very one-sided, wasn't it? Like, I was watching it going, yeah. ah. I, was, I thought, oh, maybe the criticism of this was a bit much because, you know, it was just a heel-face match and the heel dominated. That's kind of how it works. And then the baby face comes back. Mm. And then the baby face came back and it didn't last very long. <laughs> just no. It was the W. Morrissey show, like somebody backstage there, whether it's Don Callis or, yeah, whether it's Scott Amore has uh, clearly got a got a hard-on for uh, for Big Cass. I, I don't see it. I don't see any upside for him. He's- but, yeah. He's a giant, mm. but I think this is just about him getting re-signed by WWE. Mm. I think that's all this is. They look at him, they look at his size and go, yep, yeah, we'll have him back in. Are you, are you mad still? No. All right, good. Come back in. That's basically <laughs> what they'll do. I don't think there'll be much of a kind of a process that goes through there. Mm. It, can just be a cut, it can just be a cut and paste for Drew McIntyre. It's just like replace, uh, replace one tall, long-haired guy at the top of the card who's... Um, yeah. He can't run. That's a that's an issue that W Morrissey has. Um, <laughs> Sliding doors, yeah. He's like he's like a seven time WWE champion or something, isn't he? Like if he if he hadn't angered Vince McMahon on a random day or something, uh, his life could have turned out very differently. Uh, I'll teach Robert him because heaven knows he's miserable now. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> in in impact, yeah. um, I thought the tag title, the four way number one contender match was. I kind of enjoyed that because I enjoy Ace Austin and Madman Fulton mm. as a tag team. I think I enjoyed them and and like there's a lot of other people. Like TJP is very, very good. Mm. Like, but I, I really enjoy Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. I he's think William's getting like, a turnout as well, you know. Always, yeah, uh, got, <laughs> he's been a, yeah. he's been a nostalgia pop guy longer than he was ever an actual thing and impact. Like yeah. gets, how many pay-per-views does he get like the big oh look, it's PC Williams, he's back, it's the Canadian destroyer. He seems to happen every and, month. Yeah. Like he's never away from the place. Mm. He's just like they they kind of embrace him, don't they, for mm. it. Um I don't know what you made of that main event because it appeared to be like even for a pre-taped show, a heavily pre-taped show, they ran out of time. Mm-hmm. They were just flying through shit mm-hmm. like towards the end. And I, mm-hmm. I, sorry, I was going to say one of my big criticisms of this. Oh, they would have taped it straight after the last pay per view. It must. They would have made everyone there. Because I was just mm-hmm. thinking, David Finley got stuck with uh, Jay White didn't he trying to come back from Japan this week so yeah. like he's trying to come back to America never mind be there so like it must have been a long time ago um, yeah that's weird yeah and uh, what do we end up with I, I, I love that TNA managed to 
run out of time on a pre-taped show. <laughs> <laughs> they do go 10 minutes, well, of actually, course. for that way. Yeah. 10, yeah. 10 minutes for a six-way match. I've just got visions of, like, Scott Demore in the back pumping, like, quarters into a metre or something like that to keep the lights going or something like that and <laughs> sending the signal down. He's, he's there fucking emptying out his pockets to show that he's got no coins left or something like that. And we go home, lads, go home. Like, <laughs> What different? It's their fucking app. It goes up on Impact Plus. Like, what's the difference? Like, really? <laughs> have them go have them go an hour I'm going to fucking Broadway go on go go for a draw mm. yeah do that no they, they didn't I do think that you know, at all I reckon it was like four in the morning or something like that and they were like listen lads we just need to wrap yeah. it we need to <laughs> the kids clubs on in the morning in this uh, in this venue all, all the mums are going to turn <laughs> up in an hour <laughs> you just need to go home lads <laughs> bingo yeah. yeah big big TV screen there mm. um, I mean and at the end of it you come away with going Moose is the number one contender, but really it's Eddie Edwards. Yeah, that's what they said. Neither of whom are going to beat Kenny Omega. Mm. Like, and and I still think that's the big problem with all of this is like there's no one who they seem to be settling on. It's very hard to see who they're settling on it that that is going to be able to beat him and beat him in a credible way. Mm. If you ask me, he's going to have good match with him now thinking well Josh Alexander would be kind of like totally. one of your bets mm. but it's not a match you want to go to yet awesome. the idea of him beating him to win I'm like fuck it mm. that could be quite it's not going to happen you know it's going to be another like, outsider oh, bubble gum, I think saying. it's not going to happen <laughs> I think it's going to have to be an outsider I think it's going to have to be like you know the, 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 the fantasy booking idea of Samoa Joe you know or someone like that coming in and reclaiming the belt for the sake of impact as you've got out of that list yeah if i'm if i'm tony khan i'm nixing all of those names kenny's not dropping to any of them i know it's 2021 and no one really cares about wins or losses but i think this is a situation where yeah that's mm. that's gonna that's gonna have to be protected isn't it um well maybe you'll just never lose the belt i don't really see it another way uh another way out of this um but yeah that six-way wasn't saying much for me like uh i saw it to particularly oh it did a, did better in the grapple ratings than i would have given i haven't even rated that one yes um put them i think it went 3.25 because it was yeah. just that shit but nothing Standard more three yeah it had no reason That's to go yeah. last really um it's, a, it's averaging over three and a half on the app so because yeah, like, when i was looking at this and i was thinking oh, if i got some time today to watch some stuff i was that was a that was one that i thought Based on names alone, I wasn't that asked to watching. But when I saw it got over three and a half, I was thinking, "Oh well, maybe yeah. maybe it is worth putting my time." But you're not selling it to me. I did. If that you watch one match, yeah, mm. I, I was literally like, I watched the main event. Well, what I thought was the main event, the six man, and then that the other six man with Kenny and then this came up and I was like oh I don't really want to see this and then I saw the grapple right and I was like oh okay maybe I should stick with it but for me it's just a 10 man 10 man match really with a lot of spotty there wasn't really anything memorable yeah. about it either but you know I didn't think you know going through my grapple ratings I gave that three I gave the uh, the Kenny Omega and Good Brothers, Eddie Edwards and Finn Juice, 2.75. I thought that was extremely dull um, for a match with oh, Kenny I was Omega. Say, I thought it was dull. That was weak. The average for that on Grapple, what is it, 3.16? Like that uh, tells the tale. I'm a bit lower than that. But yeah, that, that was just, didn't need to take place. That was a, It was one of them where it was like, you've got Kenny Omega here, lads. I feel like this was a bit of a, a waste of what you yeah. got. Although I suppose you can't go out there and give them bangers every week. It, it just still seemed a bit, bit of a, a strange use of him. Um, yeah, I don't think anything on the show really came near the uh, the four I gave uh, Josh Alexander and El Fantasma. That was by far the standout. 
Yeah, it's 3.81 on the app. That was the mm. one. I mean, that was the one I would have been most excited about before the show anyway. So I think I, think I probably will check that, check, yeah. check that one out. But yeah, I don't think from the sounds of things I'll be watching anything other than that, to be honest. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the the main takeaway there. But yeah, speaking of pay per views that are, that happened at the weekend, so we should get into it. There was a, <laughs> I love being a wrestling <laughs> podcast that covers WWE last. There was a, a WWE thing <laughs> the weekend. Imagine this you know, five years ago or whatever, or maybe ten years ago when WWE used to matter, uh, that it was the least important thing on a on a Tuesday night wrestling show. Uh, never mind what whatever the fuck happened on Raw. Only JP knows uh, and the people who listen to the daily updates. Um, but there was backlash on Sunday. And to be fair, it wasn't a bad show. I didn't. I saw people on Twitter raving about it as like another, another, you know, great show for for WWE. I didn't feel maybe as strongly about how highly some people rated some of the matches on here. Not to say I didn't like them. Just you know, for, for me, WWE, there's always, always going to be that ceiling um, of how invested I'm gonna gonna get into the matches. But you know, starts the twelve on Sunday. It was finished in relatively uh, quick time, if maybe a little bit longer than the uh, the recent pay per views. Uh, biggest thing about it, I'd say, is I had some laughs. There were some hilariously bad moments and some you know solid enough wrestling matches. It was mm. worthy my my investment of time. But what I'm wondering now, yeah, is how much uh, how much time did you guys put into it? And I you know, especially you, Gareth. I know you said before that you you were uh, just scraping this one in right before we uh, we went live. Did you just watch the main matches or did you try? And watch this whole thing no i watched the whole thing like i started watching it yesterday I even watched the pre-show um yesterday yeah. as well because it was just while i was i, I was working I working i thought oh, i'll put this I'll, I'll i'll put this on and you know give it a give it the the, the time of day to see the full show so i at least comment on everything but um but yeah i'd i'd, I'd got all the way up to just before the main event so that was what i was just squeezing in uh, before we went went on there to today but um there where you're talking about some people describing this as a you know a, a good show or, or, or things like that I don't know I, I just don't know where I'm at with the WWE at the, at, at, at the minute like I certainly wouldn't be watching any of this if it wasn't for you know doing this podcast now because I'm just left questioning what I'm doing with my life even watching it every time that I every time that I am watching WWE at the minute and and I genuinely generally go into it every time thinking blank page come on like don't you know no you know prejudice you know give it give it as much as much opportunity as you can try and take these matches on face value and you know, almost like trick your mind into thinking that it's a AEW pay-per-view or it's a good New Japan show or something like that and just take these guys in the ring on their two merits and treat it in that way. But everything about it just makes it so difficult to watch. Like, I think that the setting's awful, that the the piped-in crowd grates on me here more than it grates on me in any other setting that um, that we've we've had that crowd noise in the past, you know, twelve months plus. The 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 commentary just is absolutely shockingly appalling as well, and it's it's like one of these where I'm trying to kind of look at it and rate it and enjoy it and watch it objectively, but I just can't help feeling the entire time that I, that. I just don't have. I've, I've just got zero interest in it, and and there is so little points in a WWE pay per view that perks any element of interest in me that 
I just uh, I, I just find it so difficult to engage with. Never mind, like enjoy it. Like I th- like e- like even the stuff that's deemed to be very good on this show. Like to me, it's like yeah, it was like it was fine. It was decent in comparison to you know what I've seen there seen there on so earlier on the show and things like that. But even still, it's not the sort of thing that's making me think like, oh yeah, I'm really glad I watched that. I really felt like I would have missed out if I'd have missed out on that, or it's something that you know I can't wait to to see a bit more more than that again. Like everything in this environment just. It's it's so overproduced and everything now that everything just feels more than ever like it's it's like smoke and mirrors. Everything's about like the light shows and the graphics and the pyro and the gimmicks and the WWE speak and all the little you know just little video tie-ins and thing. I don't know. It's 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 not for me. Needless to say, needless to say. I didn't enjoy. <laughs> I didn't enjoy enjoy the show uh, very much based on based on that bill in there. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we can get into it and talk about the matches, but that's just a that's a little context for where my head is going into a WrestleMania backlash. Yeah, I think I appreciate it as well. Let you put it on the app is just it's in the uh, the backlash section. Didn't create a new section for WrestleMania backlash. Appreciated that. <laughs> <laughs> stick it to them it's fucking backlash that's what it is um <laughs> yeah i don't disagree with anything you said there like i watched anything wwe with that pinch of salt and the the minimal things i get enjoyment out of it's with the knowledge that it can all come crashing down like a house of cards literally the next time i watch it or while i'm watching it here um you, you, there's no reward for being invested in wwe and there's no yeah i don't think there's ever really at this point any legitimate like emotional connection to anything they do i think that's what's missing i think that's why we feel what we feel because none of it matters and you know we've been taught that like pavlovian dogs over the years that why why would we care you know we've been punished that many times like there's no reason to care even when you do you know you can in isolation look at certain things and say oh that was good for where it is in the setting and that's that's kind of where i am i mean i, I did enjoy cesaro and reigns as a main event now that's the one i'm talking about when i say not as much as everybody else seems to i saw like match of the year shouts and you know grapple ratings way above four because i know the average is above four i went 3.75 because i've got to be honest maybe it's a tick but I've, that's just the maximum i feel like i can give a WWE match like i did the same for for brian and reigns the other week um because there's only so far you can go with me um for, for WWE. if you want to talk the positive of that match it did feel for the bulk of it, stripped back, you know, and quite a basic match in that, you know, there's a baby face you want to protect. No, actually, you don't particularly want to protect Cesaro, but a baby face who got, you know, a little bit of protection, got to look good in, in defeat, even if it was definitive defeat. And, you know, I think they did a lot of little things well as far as, like, the, you know, the limb selling from Cesaro. You know, he's a he's a pro's pro and he's going to be good at that stuff. And, you know, you know me, I'm a massive Roman Reigns fan at the moment as far as, like, his character work and stuff. Where they lost me in the match was, you know, that need to do the dialogue and that need to stop the match so Roman Reigns can do a speech and I cringe every time he does it because I can hear the people who don't like Roman Reigns and don't like this current incarnation going, oh, here he goes again. And it's like, yeah, but you know, he does he does so many other things so good. You know, I just wish they wouldn't make him do this as well. Um, yeah, that took me out of it you know a little bit but you know i enjoyed it about as much as i'm gonna enjoy wwe match at this point and maybe that says everything that i yeah. then gave it 3.75 stars because that's that's as much as i can possibly get invested but i, I did think that was a a good piece of work um where were you on that one jp 
3.75 as well. Mm. I mean, I, I, I'm very similar to you two. I mean, hearing Gareth talk about the aesthetic of it and mm. the things that kind of turn you off from it, I'm just, you know, they're thinking, yep, that's, that's kind of how I am. I'm, I watch it because I'm curious mm. because you always think to themselves, are they going to, is there a point where the, you're going to see the penny drop and you think they're going to put together like a, just a good show, not something amazing, but they love this aesthetic. And it's, I, and I think for me, it's like kind of switch off stuff. Mm. Like I cannot relate to, I mean, the piped in crowd noise is, it actively makes me want to turn it off at times it's and then alongside the commentary as well so you hit that kind of presentation and then here for this match is like a match that i kind of wanted to like and i saw the length of it and i was like i'm curious what the sea would have done for sort of 27 minutes and they say it's a good match it's well worked Hmm. there's just a point where mcafee has is basically told his earpiece clearly to shut up while you hear (laughs) roman reigns talk yeah and that's tragic if if that is the case that's where we are with this i will say I love Roman Reigns' new theme music. <laughs> Sorry, I'm well all right with that. That head of that, I think that's good. It fits him well. <laughs> it does fit him well. Um, it's kind of a little bit over the top. It is over the top as well. So I like, I kind of in, in, enjoy it for that. But yeah, other than outside of this, and I have to say the semi-main, I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed that in the sense, the, the three-way between Strowman, Lashley and McIntyre. There were times during this thing, and this is quite mental, this, but there's a whole lot of average. And I think it's where it's set. It's that Thunderdome. It's like, if they're able to do this in front of some sort of crowd, they kind of need to. Because I think there's just the way that they're working, they need a crowd to respond to for you to remotely care about any of this stuff. Because otherwise they're drilling in what their vision of this is along with a crowd response that they want for it. And that's a really unhealthy place for a company to be where you're just having to lie to yourself about how good any of this stuff is. And that's when I watch this, like that's where I find, that's where I found it. It's like, this is the response response. You hear all the EST chants. You go, well, it's not a crowd doing that. So how over is Bianca Belair really? Hmm. Because he's just piping this in and, yeah, it, it, that's one of the issues I kind of have throughout the whole show. But as background viewing while I was doing work, kind of easy enough, relatively inoffensive. Not the industry leader, though. Mm-hmm. Like, you, you, we're like, this is, you know, we've slagged off AEW. Mm-hmm. AEW is at least interesting. Mm-hmm. This A lot of this stuff is just plodding and shite. Storylines that I couldn't give a toss about. And they'll show me a video package before, and I'm like, oh, whatever. I yeah. just don't care. It's, it's people having a fucking argument, talking in a way that no other human being would do, and then they'll have a three-way, because why not? That's how WWE is. I mean, that's one of the things for me as well with the pre-match video packages. I was, I, I couldn't even, I, I couldn't even bring myself to be engaged in those, and they're normally the sort of things where when I'm when I'm just watching pay-per-views. That it draws you in, and that that you 
gives you a reason to have some level of investment in what you're about to watch. But even even they were just dull and poor and just had no, you know, had no pull. You know, you compare them to watching something like some of the Noah ones that are in a fucking language that I can't even understand. And I'm like more invested and mm. they suck me in more than, you know, something like this that the great production value industry leader WWE's um, supposed to be doing. And it's, you know, it's just so become so formulaic and just so wallpaper and things like that. Yeah. And I'm the same as you two. Like I gave, well, I mean, I, I, I gave Roman Reigns and Cesaro 3.75. I actually put a four in the app and then I had an argument with the app and went, no, I didn't. And then <laughs> was very grateful that we built into the edit rating function that was, uh, that was, that was in there. But, well, um, because, to, because to me, this was just like, okay. Yeah. It was a good match. It was a decent match for me. It was a 3.75 star match, but, but there's been 10 matches of that level on AWTV this year. You know, you're coming on the backdrop of mm-hmm. as down as we are on New Japan. There's still been however many four-star-plus matches in New Japan this year when in isolation you can put two guys in a ring and they can put something on there that's just a bit more captivating and compelling than than what this was. This was, a, to me, a fine, good match that if it had been on... Dynamite or Raw or SmackDown or NXT or something. I'd have been saying, yeah, that was a that was a good good match. That was an enjoyable TV match. But the idea that you know you're seeing five stars going in the app from some people and there's people on nah. line talking about it, match of the year contender and things. I, I, I don't know. Don't know what people are watching because it's they're certainly having a different experience. <laughs> they're willing it to be yeah. five stars. They're yeah. willing it to be better than what it is because you like the people involved. Mm. and like Roman's character. But um, yeah, I did want to say as well, and I talked about that, it's been an average show. There is obviously the whole zombie stuff. <laughs> What's the average on like, raffle for that so far, Gareth? How's that doing? <laughs> That's what oh, I want to know. Yeah, I, mean, that, yeah, I was going to say, that, that, one's, uh, that, that one's not performing. Uh, we're down at 0.73 currently <laughs> on that one. Um, Fuck I, it. I, 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 oh. Oh, 0.25 for me. I don't go, I don't go 0.25 very often. Mm-hmm. But that was a straight in there for that. Fucking hell. <laughs> I watched the UFC show on the Saturday. Yeah. That was also sponsored by Army of the Dead. <laughs> and they had it on, on in all the corners. And no point did Dan Mergliotta dress up as a zombie when he refereed Charles Oliveira versus Michael Chandler. <laughs> Joe Rogan didn't try and get a bite out of John Anik and Daniel Cormier when sat at ringside. You know? <laughs> There wasn't a point when it it cut over to a Brazilian translator who would be then trying to eat someone in the background. Only WWE could do this. And people go, it's a movie tie-in. Go, yeah, dickheads. There was a movie tie-in the day before. And this is what normal fucking humans would do for a movie tie-in rather than this. And I, do you know what? I'll say it's funny. Miz did his quad in this match and he's out for a bit. Never had an injury in his life. 15-year career. Never had a serious injury. Karma. Karma. <laughs> it's one of the zombies. Oh, ma- ma- maybe Big E will finally get the Miz push that he's been deserving of all these years. <laughs> because Miz has never explained to me why he actually is deserving of this push. Hey, other man. than he is a mediocre actor. <laughs> uh, I mean, you, what, what bothered me more than, more than anything about this match was that, like, 
like as much as I hate it, as much as I hate the idea of you're going to do this thing and there's going to be zombies and they're going to be the lumberjacks. If in any, at the end of the day, this is a lower mid card match involving the Miz, and you know it's not like this was the world title match or something like that. But if, if, if in any way they had made this remotely good or humorous or anything it may have been forgivable but the fact that they did this and it was so shite as well that it just had there was no you know the tongue-in-cheek element to it didn't come across at all in a clever or funny way or anything like that there was no humor in it at all there was no satire or anything it everything about it was just awful and just the it it just smacked again of the WWE just not knowing how to present something in a way that is in fitting with their audience in this century, you know, they're, they're just, I, I, I don't know who the fuck they're, they're, they're trying to appeal with, um, with, with, with this Vince stuff because, because I can't even imagine Vince McMahon could possibly have enjoyed this. Surely he was sitting in the back going, this is shite. <laughs> sure. Doesn't know, that's tough, <laughs> tough wrestling back 30 years, Gareth. You know, I don't know what the... <laughs> what this did in that case uh, that's the thing though it was like it's not I think like like you're saying there this isn't like as much as I dislike that too it's not Tuesday night graps where everyone's having a laugh you got Damien Priest like a, a alleged future top line baby face you know if he can time off you know if he can uh, get there before he's 55 or whatever but like you know he's he's next year bait- Winter Tyler's on his retirement (laughs) but he's like the serious baby face and he's having to sell zombies on the outside and I know he didn't sell it as much as Miz did but that tells you everything about what this was and I don't even know why we're complaining about it lads because The Undertaker's done zombie stuff for years so why is this not okay that's a fucking false argument I've seen trotted out this week by like people like MVP who used to think was quite an intelligent bloke even he's on his uh, his Twitter trying to to, like like nobody's ever criticised The Undertaker before or like the context context isn't you know quite different as well um i hate those dishonest arguments it's like yeah you know two oh, things oh they're shipments. the worst uh, yeah they're the, they're the worst because it's just like you're trying to defend something shit mm. but there isn't the kind of courage to say that it's shit mm. so it becomes well what about this thing that was never nearly as bad so like there was a comparison of saying to like the the AEW finish of the explosion of the barbed wire. It's like, A, why are you bringing AEW into this? Mm. Like, that's that's always the first thing that I think. It's like, as soon as you do that, you've lost any argument. You're playing whataboutery, mm. which the only people who are good at whataboutery is the Russian government. Yeah? <laughs> They're good at it. No, there's no, you know, wrestling fan. That 50-plus demo who's got the brains of fucking Vladimir Putin going on here. So, like, this kind of false equivalency to justify everything they do when there isn't the kind of internal courage to go, this is shit. Mm -hmm. This is deeply shit. These people have no ideas. It feels like this... Like, when you look at this for the creative and their immediate thought is when we do a movie tie-in, can we... They're incapable of not doing a, of doing a movie tie-in that isn't embarrassing. Mm. Is there any tie-ins they do that don't make you think? If some, I really hope that somebody who doesn't like wrestling or doesn't know about wrestling never sees this because <laughs> this is the shit that makes you embarrassed. Yeah. 
And it, the supernatural stuff has always made me embarrassed because it's always done with a kind of tongue on cheek. To which you go, well, what do you think about Abaddon? Abaddon shit as well. <laughs> Your point is what? Like, really, it's all shit. If you're looking this for the supernatural, like, go outside, get a breath of fresh air, watch some other yeah. fucking telly, get Sky Atlantic. You know, seriously, sort yourselves out because this stuff is fucking brain rot. And muck of the highest order, and they have the, they have the audacity to laugh at WCW as well. You know when they're like oh. when the WWE are putting together their little compilations of the rise and fall of WCW and stuff, and they're getting chance to like put the boot in and laugh mm. at WCW in the Russo era and two thousand and things like that. It wasn't as fucking bad as this shit. It wasn't as bad as like what they've served up in this calendar year with some of the stuff with like the 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 fiend and Alexa Bliss and you know like now this as well and then going even back to whenever that was with Rey Mysterio's fucking eyeball and all that bollocks and things like that that they've they've been doing that they're sitting there in the fucking house of cards like laughing at WCW and not realizing that what they're producing is significantly worse and yeah hey hey ho surprise surprise your fucking ratings are going through the floor on a mm-hmm. uh, you know a monumental basis and show no signs of improving at any point soon either. I'm like, fucking get a grip, like Jesus. When big tone buys the mouth, the rise and fall of WWE would be a mm. great documentary. That's all I'll say. When they're trying to explain the demo, <laughs> I want them to see how they explain on a conference call about how this shit attracts in the demo. Mm-hmm. Like, what was also noticeable as well was Dave Batista going. Like after this, there was some Twitter going like, "This zombie stuff is shit." Because there was a thing. Oh, my friends are coming along later on. Obviously, clearly not knowing what it was, and he was like, "Look, you need to speak to Vince because I had nothing to do with this shit." <laughs> That's what he said. And it just makes you think. Yeah, it just makes you think, Dave. You want away from these cunts. It, I enjoyed the narration of his video. If he's going to be WWE's Ron Perlman doing mm. UFC once before him. Absolutely fine with that. I think that's that's perfectly good, and he's got a great voice for it as well. But. You know, I don't want them to do like a June tie-in or anything like that when it happens. What are they going to do if Timothy Chamelay in is running as fucking Paula Trades and cost Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods the fucking tag team titles? <laughs> I mean, like, it, it's it's so ridiculous. It's, yeah, sorry. I felt like, I feel really upset by it now. I don't know why, probably because it's very late. But, and you know if they do do it, they'll follow the rules like they had these zombies do. These zombies, you know, they knew uh, they they knew not to get in the ring. They knew to attack when the guys were on the outside. They knew who the heel was and who the baby face was. Yeah, those zombies wait well. for the bell to get in the ring at the oh, end. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, maybe maybe in a hundred and eighty degree, maybe we we've, we've undersold this. I mean, in some ways, working the Largo Loop and working the performance center is very much like being a zombie. So maybe there's a whole kind of meta intertextual reference that we're just not getting here about what it's like to be part of the development and system of WWE, where you'll literally have to eat the Miz in order to get his spot. <laughs> eat the Miz. There is, you go. There's the title for the show. Yeah. No one's <laughs> eat the Miz. Game for that. Um, uh, yeah, works. I'm not game for that, but <laughs> oh, um, any other <laughs> any other notes on the show as a whole? Any other quick ratings or anything like that you want to uh, you want to give out? I don't think I had any particularly strong feelings on anything else on this show. To be honest, uh, I heard praise no. for the Mysterios tag. I just thought it was a tag match. No. Yeah, bullshit. Mm-hmm. Seventeen minutes that went. Seventeen mm-hmm. fucking minutes. Yeah. 
I couldn't believe it. It felt like it was absolutely never ending. Like, oh mm-hmm. God, what a uh, <sighs> what a what a fucking boring, mm. dragged out, tired storyline, tired match structure. Just everything about it was just oh god as dull as dishwater and like you just you just feel like there you're just looking at these lads you're looking at fucking bobby rude you're looking at dolph ziggler you're looking at Rey mysterio now and you're just thinking like like really is this what we're still carting out now in like 2021 is this like oh let's you know pair them up in the tag team let's get Rey mysterio out there in the you know the underdog spot you know waiting for his son to come out like Come on, get a bit more fucking creative than that. The the only thing that I found remotely exciting about this match was that Dominic Mysterio, like his dad, was dressed up like some kind of superhero and a DM on the front of his outfit. And I just got slightly excited that maybe in the future he might come dressed as Danger Mouse. And that was the uh, that was the uh, that was literally the only oh. positive that I took about this was that was that fantasy in my mind of Rey Mysterio next to him in a little penfold outfit or something like that. But, I was hoping uh, that Rey Mysterio, Rey Mysterio would jump out of that thing dressed up as Penfold with like his fucking little jacket on, bald fucking mask on, and a big pair of glasses. <laughs> maybe, I don't know. Maybe they'll come out dressed as Banana Man next time and really go the whole Why not? Oh, oh God. <laughs> I'm just sorry. I'm scrolling through my notes here and I have made notes on everything and I'm just like, there's well, nothing here that I remotely want to talk about. I think the, the women's three way was fun to watch, but it's the booking and everything else is kind of like nonsense. Really, I didn't care. I thought oh, this is all very enjoyable. The end. I thought the Bianca Bear Belair Bailey match at the end with the hair bit and the fuck up on that was, yeah, yeah, bad, bad. Mm. <laughs> yeah, really nothing. To, that's the problem when talking about this company is is why we don't talk about it first. Quite clearly, is <laughs> it would kill our mood for the rest of the show, and they're not worthy of your time. Dear listener, just remember that. They are not worthy of your time. They're certainly not worthy of your money. So, like, there's a tenner you could be saving, or even 99p. Go and spend it on a, I don't know, something from the McDonald's Savers menu. Here you go. I'm going to break character. I enjoyed Drew McIntyre's Michinoku driver on, Bru- on Braun Strowman. Oh, wow. I'll give him. The- there you go. Some some yeah. rare praise for Drew for me there. That that one move got a uh, got a pop out of me. So good lad, Drew. Do you want to that tell us? That's with him and Gage as well. Oh, Is that next? <laughs> we'll see how that Moxley match goes. Yeah. <laughs> the um, I, I would say I enjoyed that three away just because I gave it like, three. There was. Yeah, yeah. I, I big move match on it. He was, and Braun Strowman, bless him, throws himself about, but he doesn't stop the fact, and I think we were saying this on the weekend show, he's he's the big show. That's what he is now, he's the big show. They'll rotate him between heel and face, and he's not really serious or credible. In his entrance music, are they playing the the train thing, or is that just me? Mm, I didn't notice. Wouldn't stop me, though. It might just be me. (laughs) 
It was a big WWE anyway. stunt fest, that match, wasn't it? It was yeah. your Paul Heyman, big moves, no real logic. But I enjoyed uh, Strowman almost landing on his head and having to be helped oh, over yeah. the top. That was another good Drew, Drew McIntyre moment. Like, he was going to die there if Drew didn't uh, adjust his body and, uh, and get him the, yeah. the rest of the way over. Um, and as well, you know, I do I like Bobby Lashley MVP as an act. You yeah. Know, they're, they're a good Lashley's act. great. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, to be fair, talking there with, like, the mood that this show put you in and things like that. But mm. Lashley was one of the very few highlights that I was just watching it thinking, this is something that they have got fucking right because this guy just stood head and shoulders, stands head and shoulders to me there. He, he, he did have that significantly mm. higher star quality. He looks, he, he looks great. And yeah, credit, yeah credit's due. They've got a good, uh, they've got a good three and a half star match. Star going for their title. <laughs> no, that's, that's, Lashley, like it makes it even more bizarre, JP, that like he was in the wilderness for so long that like you know he seemed like a Vince McMahon tailor made guy, and he was on the out. Well, I say wilderness TNA, but you know, like, and he's back where he probably you know belongs at least in a in a WWE. Um, style program. I'm guessing Bruce Pritchard is a big fan or whatever because his uh, mm. his uh, rise back to the uh, to the <laughs> the top as mediocre as it is is uh, is actually to be fair been one of the more entertaining things. And I'm glad him and you know mm-hmm. for WWE can't help themselves but strip away anything with any potential. And obviously stri- split up the hair business was you know just another odd Vince McMahon move. But I'm glad they haven't gotten the whole hog and they've kept MVP with Bobby Lashley because that's another that's a nice story. As much as I slagged them off before, I like that MVP's mm-hmm. got this job and he's He's quite good in the role too. He's perfect in the role. Lashley needs a mouthpiece. He's a great mouthpiece, but he can also get involved in little bits of action. Mm. Plus, he's not really set up to work. I think it works all round for everyone. Mm. Why the Hurt Business isn't there, I don't know. Part of it, it makes me think they'll get over his faces in front of a crowd. I think that's the thing with Lashley. We noticed the mania. It was 50-50 with, like, at best with him and Drew McIntyre. I thought the crowd were ever so slight, like on Lashley's side as it went on. I I see no reason to take this belt off him anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Who he's up against is always going to be the issue because they can't book baby faces. But I would just be thinking, you just keep it on him for a bit. It's a good, he's someone who looks like a champion. He's someone that acts like a champion. He's got that poise of someone as well who, who feels like he's kind of found himself in wrestling. So, yeah, I'm. I look at it and I, and I think you know, stick with it. It's one of the very few things that they've got right in that company. Definitely, definitely. Well, yeah, I think that brings us to the end of another uh, WWE uh, pay per view recap. Unless I'm uh, mistaken, I think that's the end of the show. Have we got any, anything else you guys have watched this week, or is, uh, is that is that all? That I think that's it. Um, oh, I think that's every. What's GCW? Did you watch any of it, JP? I meant to mention it after the uh, the Gage show. It was that forgettable. I forgot. <laughs> Only the main event. And I yeah. did see a bit of Dickinson Five stars. Tell Gareth, JP, tell him how, how good that Nick Gage, AJ Gray match was. Honestly, Gareth, there, there aren't enough stars in the app for, uh, for yeah, two stars. It was terrible. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put it enough. It wasn't a good match, was it? It was it was bog standard death match, wasn't it? Not even with like your big stunts. It was just a few light tubes um, and not much else yeah. going on. But it was all it was all there, wasn't it, to set up the Moxley angle, which was again genuinely good. 
yep, the Moxley angle was really good fun. I'm looking forward to this match. I'm looking forward to the fact that Moxley really wants to sell this. Mm-hmm. Like this is something that he's really kind of keen on. I'll be fascinated to know where they run it, what kind of like the economics around it I think are a bit more interesting than perhaps what the match will be itself in some mm-hmm. ways. It's what kind of where do you run this? Where are you going to do a decent crowd for it? Because it's something you want to hype up. I'll be fascinated to how many buy it gets. Mm. You know. It's it's all of these kind of little factors where you think this is an interesting match for a lot of reasons. Not to on dynamite, you know, with how big a megastar Nick Gage is now. No? Wow. On TNT. Yeah. Two million quarter hour. <laughs> Just find it up, Mate, can you imagine TNT's reaction to that? Nick Gage coming out. It's the same as if you put Sean Ryder, like putting Sean Ryder on um, T- um, TFI Fridays um, back in the day. And you're giving him a live mic at half six. And you think, why has he bleached his hair blonde? Oh, right. And he just starts yelling, fuck off, fuck off, fuck off, fuck off. <laughs> anyway, it's like when you put Nick Gage on telly, like it's not going to go well. And you've got your only yourself to blame. Uh, Core power to do it, JP. Get that vice, uh, that vice connect going. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Vice be all over that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just skipped through the show. I unfortunately missed the uh, the New Jack intro, and I'm gutted, to be honest. That sounds like the best part of the show, to be honest, JP, because, yeah, the two matches I wanted to see, Chris Dickinson, <laughs> Bad Dude, Tito, and Jordan Oliver, Ricky Martin on the undercard. Uh, Dicko and Tito was... Yeah, it was a three-star match. Uh, there wasn't much uh, going, really. I think Bad Dude Tito's uh, best spot is uh, is definitely on those uh, blood sports uh, shows as a as a nice little uh, undercard weapon you can use. And <laughs> Jordan Oliver, Ricky Marvin was all right. You know, I'd probably go a little bit higher on that, maybe three point two five uh, or so. I saw people going a little bit higher than that on there. Uh, That's on a Jordan Oliver for, four and a half, really, isn't it? Three point two five. Ricky Marvin's still very good. You know, he's still got a still got something to offer, and he found felt like a a nice little way of uh, mixing mixing this. The show up a bit and yeah they had a, a nice uh, creative uh, uh, match with yeah they poured over the fact that yeah Jordan Oliver had going into uh, Wrestlemania weekend he was undefeated and then coming out of Wrestlemania weekend he's been uh, he's been on the losing end so yeah got a bit of a, a scalp against uh, Ricky Marvin with uh, it was like a, de- a creative finish into a into a cutter um, still don't think Jordan Oliver's ever going to be a well beater but yeah he's there he's their guy right now um, and I didn't put myself through Leo Rush and Starboy Charlie because why would you um, <laughs> just I've got no yeah I saw it went 20 minutes on Cage match and I was like nope I am not watching 20 minutes of Leo Rush Thank I saw Janella and Alley Cat went 17 I was like I was just going to ask if you watched the Janella match absolutely no. not absolutely not I think I think a good frame of reference is to look at the match times mm. and just imagine what a GCW 15 minute plus match is going to look like and then just go <laughs> no I don't need to see that and then yeah. don't see it and mm. you'll be very pleased with yourself <laughs> <laughs> uh, good shout yeah uh, that's a good, mm. a good a good rule of life uh, and in wrestling in general um, but yeah not, not a hugely memorable show but you know they had the big angle at the end and yeah they're gonna they're absolutely gonna cash in on that Moxley stuff that's gonna be a big show for them no matter no matter yeah. where it takes place um, but yeah that was the only other thing I watched so yeah unless there's uh, anything else from you guys no that's it for me awesome good. any plugs Oh, what do we plug? Well, I'll plug the Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash grapple. Listen yeah. to the Kevin Nash Film Society, the daily updates. Film Society, eh? No. Is that an upgrade? It is. This is me not thinking about when I talk again, isn't it? Mm. Grapple Film Club. You are the host Sorry. of that one. 
I am. Yes. Oh, I forgot to says... use the intro at the start. I've just remembered. Oh, sorry, Jim. Uh, uh, the first thing I noticed when I went to listen oh, back to it. <laughs> I just forgot. Oh. I forgot it was a thing. Sorry, everyone. Oh, Next one. Um, that's why you forgot, Jim. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that's exactly what I forgot. Um, yeah, so we've got the daily updates. You can go back and listen to um, our our deep cut episodes. Uh, we've obviously been doing a few flashbacks. We've got shows coming up. I think about the XWF are coming up as well. What's the other one we're going to be doing? Uh, I probably, forget them. We've got a couple of things in the pipeline. We'll. Uh, oh yes, there's one that we just had that is my god talk about a sh- an yes. episode that's going to be down our alley yes. put it that way yes. i was like oh fucking yes mm-hmm. so oh, yeah there's a few of those um mm-hmm. to, to see coming up we're going to be doing a QA as well this week um is that right I'm I'm sure. yeah that was i was trying to get Shit. <laughs> we may not be who can tell well, if you subscribe to patient.com forward slash grapple you too can find out like me, one of the hosts. <laughs> well, if you got, can you follow that great foot, Gareth? For the app. Download the app. <laughs> there you go. Oh, uh, yeah. Follow us at all the usual places. Uh, yeah, uh, this was a special Tuesday show. We should be back uh, next Monday. I don't think it's a particularly busy uh, weekend this Monday. So, yeah, um, no. imagine there'll be uh, plenty of uh, AEW talk. And, yeah, hopefully I will be uh, talking the, uh, the well, it's not the dual adults, but Warriors this week, is it? It's a collision in uh, in Korea. We'll be probably talking as well as, yeah, the other bits and pieces of the news uh, around wrestling. And, yeah, we'll go away and we'll, uh, we'll figure out what we're doing on Patreon. But, uh, yes, <laughs> for us, for another show. It's been a good time. Cheers, all. See you next week. Bye.